What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yep, you better figure it out because we're starting right now. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll just wing it. Okay. Get it on. Figure it out. We're on right now? We're on. We're on, and people are watching me confused. Yes. Uh, welcome back to another episode of Wisco Fanatics. Uh, myself and Tyler are back for another Wednesday. Today we are going to be covering the last week of Brewers games, uh, the Pirates series, uh, two games from the Cubs series and the Mets series, and we're going to be talking about Bucks free agency. Before I get into these dad jokes that I really wanted to tell, I'm very excited. Uh, I'm going to ask how my buddy's doing. Tyler, how are you doing today, buddy? Oh, not bad. Got not a little bad. bit of thunderstorms rolling through the area, so I'm wondering if it's if that's what's affecting my internet a little bit. But I'm good to go right now, so ready to go. I know. Just really, that. honestly, if I can be if I can be real with you, yeah. it was so like it snuck up on me that we had a show today over the last couple of days because it hasn't been like a normal week. Yeah. And then like I'm so focused on Saturday, like. That's seriously so much where my focus is. Not that I didn't focus on today's show, but like it, it's like today's show snuck up on me over the last couple of days, and now I'm super focused on Saturday. It's I, I'll be honest with you. It's a little weird to have an episode r- immediately after a holiday. This might be the first time that we've done that. I don't I, I don't f- know. If... I feel like we had one like might have been right before the holidays. I guess. Yeah, right before the holidays, not after. It's a little weird. Um, so, anyways as I drop them and I have them again. I'm going to get into these jokes. Here we go. How come there aren't any knock-knock jokes about America? I don't know. Because freedom rings. Oh. <laughs> Y'all, they're corny. <laughs> Did you hear the one about the Liberty Bell? Doesn't ring a bell. It cracked me up. Mm. Good try, though. A for effort. Mm. I, I, I told Chantel, uh, my girlfriend, I was like, it's got to be something about ringing, you know, because I just heard the freedom rings. Um, here's the last one. What do you call an American sketch? A Yankee doodle. And those are your dad jokes mm. for the day. <laughs> Super. Super. Giannis would be proud. <laughs> he would. 
Which, speaking of Giannis, we can move into our Bucks free agency. We're going to start with that today. That's probably going to be the shorter part of, of today's show is talking about the Bucks. Yeah. But I I had to do it. I put on my number 22. I put on my Chris Middleton jersey today in honor of the Bucks bringing Chris Middleton back on a three-year, $102 million contract. Yes, sir. So he was the first move that the Bucks made in free agency. What did you think of that deal? That's essentially that's $34 million a season. Yeah, so – that's exactly where I went right away. I wanted to see the per year, thirty four a year. I can I can deal with thirty four a year for Chris Middleton, uh, especially seeing some of these contracts coming out today, like Fred Van Vliet and all this stuff. It's like, you give me a Chris Middleton, a guy that's performed on the highest stage at the highest level and been very very good. Uh, he's been one of the best second fiddles in NBA Finals history in a long and recent memory, in my opinion. Uh, definitely top three. So, uh, you give me that point. for thirty four a year. I'm good with that. A guy that can shoot, create. He has great. I mean, him and Giannis are going to be going into their 11th season together. So I mean, what? That's a great move, right? Yep. And I like that. What it does is it makes Chris Middleton a free agent at 35. Yep. It puts us three years from now in the exact same position we were at with Brooke Lopez, where Brooke Lopez is on a contract year, plays arguably his best season potentially yeah. of, of his career. I mean, you look back at yeah. his, obviously, his younger days when he was a 20 and 10 guy with the Nets. But um, mm-hmm. you look at, like, since, like, the second stage of his career where he became a, a 3 and D guy, essentially, um, and contending for Defensive Player of the Year, and now he got a two-year $48 million contract, which is the next one, which two for 48 was a little surprising for me. I didn't think he was going to get $24 million a year. I'm not opposed to it by any means, especially for a guy who just finished in the top three in defensive player of the year. Uh, so what did you think of, what did you think of the Brooke Lopez deal? Well, there's a couple layers of this. Cause I heard rumors. I don't know how true this is, but, and we never know how true anything is, right? You have to fact check. And then you have to fact check the fact, right? But and, there was, there was apparently rumors that him and uh, Houston had a done deal. And he kind of backdoored them by going and talking to the, the bucks again. And horse kind of sealed the deal with the extra little money. Uh, yeah, that was just word on the street. So um, obviously, you know, I love Big Brook. Um, again, it's gonna it's gonna all circulate around the superstar, right? So I'm gonna talk about his connection with Giannis on defense, especially. They they absolutely control the paint. Um, Giannis has become a very good playmaker, which not enough people talk about. And their high low offense when Brook is down low or Giannis is down low is just something that it's a beautiful thing because Brook can space the floor, obviously for Giannis, but then when we want Giannis to be a facilitator, Brooke can dominate down low. So I love that versatility with this Bucks roster. So bringing Chris and Brooke back, me and you were on board with that for weeks. So that yep. was something that we really wanted. And for me, bringing Brooke Lopez back, it does one really important thing, and that is offensively, it keeps the opponent's big man out of the paint. Yep. Uh, that opens so many things up for guys like Giannis and Drew Holiday, even Grayson Allen, honestly. Yeah. Uh, I talked a lot about his driving kick ability last year. Um, so then, in addition to Brooke Lopez, we also got Robin Lopez back. What do you think of what do you think of that move? Uh, well, if he doesn't produce on the court, he's definitely going to produce in the locker room by keeping everybody's spirits up high. Um, the WWE wrestling matches are definitely coming back. Which, <laughs> what Bucks fan is not excited about that, dude? Right. That's what NBA fan in general? Yeah. What NBA fan is doesn't like that kind of stuff, right? You know, his rivalry with with mascots, uh, his basically his whole career uh, is, is something awesome. 
Um, I can't wait to see what Bango and the Bucks come up with for a welcome right. back for Robin. That's going to be funny. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I like the move. Uh, keeps Brooke happy. And, you know, we still get some good veteran defense as a backup big man. Mm-hmm. And we get the uh, we get the return of the Boston three-party celebration. Yes. Yes. Oh, <laughs> so good. All of it's good. <laughs> the vibes are immaculate. Yes. Um, Taylor says, Hey, with a lot of whys and a lot of exclamation marks, um, Taylor, I don't know if it's too far for you to go, but if you can come to Plymouth on Saturday, uh, Jake and I are going to be at mill street day and that'll be opportunity to see us live and in person and an opportunity to win some free fan. True. That is true. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. I don't know if I was supposed to name drop that, but we got, I think we got to reel them in a little bit here. Oh yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um, Oh, bummer. Damn it. Um, okay. So before we get to what, what I would call, I guess, the quote-unquote big signing, um, I want to mention the two guys who will not be back, and that is Joe Ingles and Javon Carter. What's up, Justin? Mm-hmm. Um, what, what do you think about the losses of Joe Ingles and Javon Carter? Personality-wise, I love Joe Ingles. I love, the, mm-hmm. I love that he talks smack and he – doesn't run 25 miles per hour and jump 45 inches in the air. That is absolutely amazing to me. I don't know if that's amazing to anybody else, but usually the guys that talk to shit are the most athletic guys, right? He really just gets to the rim at two miles an hour and shoots threes. So it's amazing that he talks like that. Yeah, he's a great great playmaker in the pick and roll. But um, I don't think Joe Ingles is going to be as big of a loss as people think, uh, especially with a guy that we're going to talk about here pretty soon. And Javon Carter, obviously – we loved his tenacity on defense. We loved that he picked up full court. We loved that he wasn't afraid of any moment. Um, he's grown into a very, very good player over the last couple of years. So absolutely uh, wish him the best. I'm glad he got paid. I'm glad he gets to play for his hometown team because if I had that opportunity, I would want to as well. So exactly. um, I think he's going to be a good player for them, but Chicago is not the same culture as Milwaukee. So I'm just going to leave it at that. Yeah, and, it, and it's the thing. Like, I agree with you on Javon Carter. He's He's getting paid three times as much to play for his hometown team. Yeah. Um, and he's he's gonna have an opportunity to start, especially if Lonzo Ball is injured. Yeah, they, oh Josh is getting ahead of us. Who's the guy that uh what did no what what did the Bulls just apply for? I forgot what it was. They get like 10 million off. Oh, uh, it's a disabled player. Yeah, that's what it is. And that's really sad, dude. And, and I don't care who he played for, he's still a human being. Yep. And he was tr- he was trying to live out his dream, man. And Yep. For him to have it just end like that, and like Lonzo seems like he has a good head on his shoulders, especially right. dealing with the dad that he has. So, right, man, that that sucks for him, honestly. Yeah, I feel for him. That's and that's the thing. Like when it comes to especially like rivals, like we don't mm-hmm. want any of our rivals to be injured because we want to beat them when they're at their best, so they have no excuses. Right, right. That's that's the competitive, that's the competitive nature of sports. That's so Taylor, sure. Taylor got a little bit ahead. And Taylor asked, who do we grab next? And we can tie this into Josh's question. Josh also asked, who grabs Bull Bull? You want the Bucks? I mean, I don't hate it. I don't hate it either. I Another don't know how much he's going to play, though, is the thing. So, if, to me, I, I'll answer Josh's question first, and then we can get back to the yeah, Bucks. Go ahead. Go ahead. As far as Bull Bull is concerned, a team that I could really see taking a chance on him is the Indiana Pacers. Oh, that's they smart. seem like a team that 
kind of wants to try to win a little bit of something this year and maybe make it into the playoffs for them to grab a guy like bowl bowl, who can offer some versatility um, off the bench behind miles Turner, something that they really haven't had out of a big man since they had Sabonis. Um, you know, they're, they've rolled with just kind of fill in, um, fill in guys like Goga Batazzi and stuff like that. Guys who are just placeholders to get dunked on, honestly. Yeah. So I think bowl bowl is a, is an interesting idea to potentially back up, um, miles Turner. Taylor asks, is Bull Bull good? What do you think? I think Bull Bull is talented. I don't think he's put the whole product together, though. Right. That's how I would explain that. He's He's got a, a skill set that doesn't fit his body type, but yeah. that could make him an interesting player. The problem that I have is that we signed Robin Lopez, right? And right. obviously, you know, the vibes are like immaculate, like you said. I loved how you worded that. If we didn't... I would say we're 100% on the bull bull train because he's going to get more minutes. I right. absolutely 100% agree with your opinion on the Indiana Pacers, by the way. Great breakdown. I think he's going west, though. And I think because – and I'm not saying he's going to go to the the Suns, you know, the most the new most stacked team. But honestly, he feels like a warrior. They seem like a team that takes, like, project guys, journeyman type people. They have a great culture as well. You throw him on there. You let him get coached up by a Draymond Green, get him some toughness. He's already around shooting, so he's going to have a ton of space. It just seems like the right fit for me. He could be a change of pace guy on offense um, compared to – I'm blanking on his name now. Looney? Yeah. Looney, obviously, is defense first, so he could be kind of a change of pace. So the first name, the first team I thought of was the Warriors. Yeah, Josh, I'm, yeah. I'm not opposed to it. I just think as far as the current roster construction, I mean, you're already looking at the Lopez brothers and Bobby Portis in the front court mm-hmm. with Giannis, who, you know, could play a little bit more small forward this year, which I don't really necessarily think is going to happen. But, yeah. I mean, you're essentially looking at one big man position left on the roster, um, mm-hmm. and the Bucks already have, you know, a taco fall on the summer league roster. I'm not saying taco fall is going to make the regular season roster, but I mean, if we're looking at guys to take flyers on, I think the bucks already have their flyer guy uh, mm-hmm. as far as big man is concerned. Mm-hmm. So Taylor asked a good question. We should target a good backup point guard shooting guard. So shooting guard was kind of addressed and we haven't talked about mm-hmm. this guy yet yep. is uh, Malik Beasley. So what was your thoughts on the bucks uh, kind of sniping this guy away from the Lakers actually? Yeah, so and we got him for really, really dirt cheap, man. One Better year, than minimum. Points, That's point, shocking to me. Two point seven million, man. Um, this is a guy that has had six years of double digit scoring in the NBA, and people are gonna be like, "Oh, dude, ten points." That's hard. It's hard to score in the NBA. These are the best players in the world, and he's had five straight years of double digits, right? For a major, mostly a bench guy. And um, his best year was in 2020, 2021. He averaged nineteen points, four point four rebounds, and two point four assists. That's pretty damn solid. Yeah. You have a potential 20-point-per-game scorer as your backup. This guy can space the floor. He is a 38% three-point shooter, and he is an 80% free-throw shooter. So Ooh. those are two things that I like. Call on that. Uh, yeah. Uh, dirt cheap. A guy that has playoff experience. Again, he can score. He knows how to get a bucket. He's a deep, uh, three and D kind of guy. He's going to fit right in, man. He is going to fit right in. What a freaking steal by Horst. 
Uh, good call on the free throw percentage. That is definitely an underrated aspect of this. The Bucks definitely struggle at the free throw line, and we know it's we know it's partially. I shouldn't say partially. A big chunk of it is from one guy. But right. um, Josh said he's excited to see more Marjan. Josh, I made a bold claim last week that I think Marjan's going to play twenty five plus minutes a game this year. He did. I get. I could see it. Um. Taylor said, I mean, Marjan and AJ can be good backup guards to play a good chunk of minutes. That is another thing the Bucs did. They extended a qualifying offer to AJ Green. So he's probably going to be back on another two-way deal. Teams get three this year instead of two. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would expect probably AJ Green, um, Chris Livingston, and maybe Andre Jackson to be on those two ways mm-hmm. um, or one of the other guys that they've brought in for Summer League and guys that they signed after the draft. So with Weasley, this is what I was thinking. I looked at his defensive rating because I know the Bucks need some perimeter defense. I didn't look at his height to compare him to Grayson height-wise. He's 6'4". 6'4", okay. So he's, he's just like Grayson. He's an inch or two taller. Yeah. Um, so Grayson Allen's defensive rating per 100 possessions last year was 114. Malik Beasley's is 117. So Grayson is a tiny bit better defensively. Um. So what happens defensively, what they do with Grayson, uh, they weren't willing to include Marjan in Bradley Beal trade talks. So to me, that suggests that Adrian Griffin wants Marjan to play a lot of minutes, mm-hmm. um, which is starting to create a, a little bit of a log jam at shooting guard when you consider Grayson Allen, Malik Beasley, Marjan Bochamp, and Pat Connaughton. I think mm, I got a bold claim. What is it? You know who we're going after right now, right? Colin Sexton. Yes. I think Pat's in the deal. Yeah. I don't want it to be, but I think Pat and Grayson are in a deal. Which is why they, which, yes, which is why they didn't want to get rid of Marjan and exactly why they signed Malik Beasley. Hmm. If they, okay. If they do one more thing before doing a trade, um, Colin Sexton is a combo guard, Taylor from Cleveland. Or he sorry, Utah. Utah. He, he, he was Cleveland on Cleveland. Yeah. yeah, he was part of the Donovan Mitchell trade. Yep. Um. No, we're not trading for Dame. Josh, you think we can afford that? We have to re-sign Giannis to three hundred million dollars, dude. <laughs> um. And I'm not trying to pay Dame fifty-six million dollars when he's thirty-eight. No thanks. No. No. Because you see the end of his contract. He's making. He's going to be making like sixty-three million in his last year. I know you're joking, but that it is it is bogus, dude. It's literally like fifty-six million. It's ri- ridiculous. Um, if the Bucks do something like say say re-signing Wesley Matthews to a veteran minimum, okay. If they do that, then I could see your Pat and Grayson combo. Um, they don't want to include Bobby in a deal for Colin Sexton, so we can kind of put that out of our minds. Thank God. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, I'm not opposed to it. If we can do Grayson and Pat for Sexton in a second, I'm saying, bro, it's it's a point where we've talked about basically since the championship season, the Bucks having so much depth that they got to consolidate some of it somehow. They got to yeah. start doing some two for ones or three for ones kind of deal and maybe getting some draft capital back in the process. Yeah. Well, you know, I think Horse is doing a really good job, actually. Uh, nobody talking about it, so I'll be the first, I guess. But 
doing a really good job of trying to get uh, talent for cheap while also staying competitive. Um, obviously, we both love the draft picks of Marjan and AJ last year. Uh, we both agree that AJ needs a little bit of work on defense and Marjan yep. needs a little bit more uh, control on offense. He needs to slow down a little bit. He yep. Sometimes he got sped up last year. Yep. But you could see the talent there. You could see the reason for the draft pick. And we broke down Andre Jackson and Chris Livingston last week. So, um, obviously, we, we see the potential in these guys. So, say two out of four hit, right? Say only, say only 50%. You're still getting two really, really good players. And even if A.J. doesn't get better on, on defense, he's going to be a shooter. Yeah. I can promise you that. You so now you're still getting three. a shooter and two good players right. around a guy like Giannis. If they get a Colin Sexton in that kind of deal, he's still young. He's called the young bull. The guy is intense, right? Um, you you get a young point guard that can usher in with a Giannis out of Nakumbo. So right there, you're staying competitive and getting younger at the same time, which was younger, obviously something we were talking about last season. So that, I, I think he's you doing hit, great. You hit the key word in your last sentence there, and the key word for me was younger. I was getting there. I was working it. I was uh, getting the there. roster, the three-year deal with Chris, the two-year deal with Brooke, mm. and then getting in some of these younger guys that they're mm. kind of they're rebuilding while being competitive. Mm-hmm. Um, two summer league questions popped up. Well, not questions, a comment and a question. One saying, I'm kind of upset with Parker dipping on summer team. And do we think we keep uh, Timmy after summer league? Um, I don't think we keep Timmy after summer league. Just my opinion. Um, I don't think that he's an NBA player right now. I'm not going to lie to you. And uh, I am a little, we, we talked about it last week, but we can't say we're upset because it's family matters. So it is what it is. Um, we just wish him the best and hopefully nothing terrible is going on in his life. Right. And that's the thing with Jabari is like, we don't know what the family matter is. Like if his, if he has a grandparent and that is cancer or something like that. Yeah. Or For, it, like it could honestly be anything. If his uncle has like a toothache, then obviously, yeah, that would be bummed. But <laughs> yeah, my uncle Otis. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree. So, Family first yeah. We don't know what it is, so it's really hard to be like, okay, that's worth missing Summer League for, or that's not. Um, and Taylor, mm-hmm. on the subject of Drew Timmy, keeping him after Summer League, um, I could see him ending up on the herd. Yeah, so I'll throw that out there. Yeah. Um, just as a just as a G League signing, but not as an actual two-way contract. I don't see that happening. Yeah, he's he's not an NBA guy yet. I mean, all I'm all for signing him to to the herd, and like I said, being being G League Kevin Love, like I'm I'm here for that. Oh, hundred percent, man. Uh, winning winning cures all. Winning helps everything. So if you the more people you can get down there to Oshkosh, which if you haven't been to a game, it's great for kids. Mm-hmm. Um, it's great to see the talent up close, even if you're not a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, to see how big and fast these guys are, how they handle the ball. I mean, shooters. You go, yeah, you go to a G League. Uh, pre-game and you see them shoot and you're just like, Jesus, man, these guys aren't even in the league and they're making 15 shots. Watching, yeah, watching Joe Wieskamp shoot, it's like, damn, this dude's not in the league? Like, damn. Right, right. So uh, it's a good time and it's it's dirt cheap, man. Yeah. If you you can afford a, a herd ticket, go go support the herd and let's get that attendance up because they, they're they putting a good squad together. And they, they do a lot of good shows too. Like, you know, the they do different jerseys and stuff like that, which is cool to see. Hey, Josh just hit the nail right on the head. Best $20 will get you in today's world. It's true. NBA talent up close. Uh, me and Aiden missed seeing Giannis up close by this much. We went to the wrong game. Darn it. I The game that I went to, I got to I got to see 
I got to talk to Josh Oppenheimer and I got to take a picture with AJ Green. So I got that going for me. Yeah, that's sick. We uh we were playing the Raptor, the 905 Raptors, and we were trying to decide which which night to go to. And the first night was country night. And me and Aiden are kind of like, nah, we're not country Hard guys. Pass. Yeah, we're like, nah. Of course, that was the one Giannis was at. Of weird. course. That's weird. <laughs> yeah. It was the first of the two, so it makes sense. Okay, so I know we kind of mentioned Colin Sexton already. Is there anything else that you can think of that the Bucks should do this offseason? Addressing backup point guard is really the biggest thing right now. Yeah, that's really it. Um, I feel like Giannis is going to have these boys ready. We've said it before that we think Giannis is one of the best leaders in all of sports, all four major leagues. And with the new coaching staff, and we're bringing some new players in, I think Giannis and Coach Griffin are going to have these boys ready to play. We're gonna. This is going to be an intense team, so – if they were going to make a trade for an intense point guard like a Colin Sexton, it's now because he would fit in perfectly with Giannis. Yeah, this this I like the speed aspect of it too, and he's a guy you could potentially build with in the future. The other yeah. guys that you're looking at that are free agents, you're looking at like Frank Nidalekina, um, Io Dasunmu. Um, I mean, you're looking at all the old guys, the Dragic, and, I mean, Derek Rose is already signed. I mean, you can look at – I don't know. I'm looking back at my notes. Um, There was two other guys that I had in my head. Taylor, I agree, man. It's an exciting time to be a Wisconsin sports fan. Uh, you would be uh, definitely tricked if you uh, read some Facebook comments, though. I'll just say that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, um, Kendrick <coughs> is another one. Excuse me. Um, and then Aaron Holiday, Drew's brother. So we could go another another brother. I'm assuming that you're referring to Eric Gordon, and yes, he signed with the Suns. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's essentially essentially what I'm looking at. I mean, yeah. Taylor, if you can't come this Saturday, you could come see us do our Badger football live and in person. We're doing that. We're doing that live as well. We can kind of we can kind of transition with that then. Yeah. So we're going to transition from basketball to baseball. But Saturday, if you can, come to Plymouth. Come see us at Plymouth at Mill Street Day. It starts at 9 in the morning, goes till 4 in the afternoon. Jake and I will be there all day uh, set up. we got fan locks to give away, fan locks to sell. We're going to have some questions to answer, um, stuff to give away. we got if you want to buy some decals or keychains to support the show, Jake and I would appreciate that. Um, it's going to be a good time too. There's just a lot of, just a lot of vendors there. It's just a really good time actually. Mm -hmm. Um, and Jake and I will be one of them. So, yeah, we plan some pretty cool stuff, man. Uh, You guys are going to definitely want to come, uh, took a lot of, took a lot of our personal time, but, um, we love doing it and we want to share it with you guys. So that's why we keep inviting you. We want you guys to come out, have fun, uh, check out all the tents, man. Check out Wisco ball, uh, Mm -hmm. sponsor of our show. Um, go talk to the, the wonderful ladies at, uh, mental health, uh, Lakeshore. Um, yeah, it's, it's just going to be, it's going to be a good day and the weather is going to be a perfecto. Yeah. It's going to be like perfect. Really. Nice. Um, but Taylor, if you can't see us on Saturday, August 25th mm-hmm. at Isaac sports bar in new Holstein, that is a Friday night. Uh, we are doing our Badgers football primer live and in person this year. That's going to be fun too. We get the ball, we get the outside bar in the back. Mm-hmm. So we're going to be the main attraction that night. So if you have nothing nothing else to do and you want to have a great time and party with three guys that know how to party August 25th. Food. Yeah, great food. They, obviously, they have beer because it's at a bar. So, yeah. yeah, come on out after your long work week and party with us. 
Yeah, it's going to be good. Um, also, August 17th, we're planning a show with um, John Delray from Lombardi Time Brews. He's a, an everyday Packers show. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're doing a live show. Uh, it sounds like we're going to be doing Stadium View in Green Bay near mm-hmm. the practice facility. Um, that's going to be August 17th. That's a Thursday. So we have three live and in-person appearances coming up in the next month and a half. Yeah, so also with that day, I'm just going to add in real quick. It is a, it's one of the two days at the Packers live practice, live scrimmage, I should say. Uh, one of the – yeah, the 25th. He said that it's August 25th, Taylor. Um, the day that Tyler's talking about is August 17th. Yep. Um, it's, it's one of the live practices against the Patriots. So we're going to go watch that. You come watch that with us first and then come join us for our live show. So um, we have a lot of fun stuff planned for that too. Been a lot of personal time put into this stuff lately. Yeah. So uh, I'm really excited for it. I'm not saying that to like complain about it. It's something that I love to do, obviously. So uh, Tyler as well. I'm going to speak for him. I don't normally do that, but I'm super excited. I know Tyler is. Um, I kind of just want to get over this episode. Not really. So we can get to Saturday. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yes, um, yes Taylor, that one's going to be in Green Bay. So we got three, three live appearances coming up this Saturday in Plymouth. August 17th in Green Bay. That's going to be right after practice. So it'll probably be early afternoon. Mm-hmm. And then August 25th, that is a Friday night. That would be in New Holstein. Yes, sir. Some good stuff, man. All right. And, yes, we will post um, schedules for those things so we can uh, we can keep up with it and obviously remind people because we want people to come. Agreed. Okay. So do we want to get into Brewers' new let's – do, let's, do, let's do the power pair and stuff first and then the games – Okay. Um, and then we a handful of news today with the Brewers, uh, a big chunk of of roster <laughs> moves. So let's start with our power pair and underrated performer for the Brewers for the last week. Jake, give me yours. All right. So for my power hitter, I went with William Contreras. Uh, I feel like he was fantastic this week. Um, eight of 24. He had seven. He scored seven runs. He had a double, a home run, a big boy home run, by the way. Uh, eight RBIs, four walks, only two strikeouts, and he stole three bases. He hit safely in five of six games this week. He was slashing 333 uh, average, 370 on base percentage, a 500 slugging percent percentage, and an 870 OPS. So tremendous stuff from the guy that we traded for this offseason, the big acquisition for the Brewers. For my power pitcher, I went with Colin Ray. Uh, we will dive more. I uh, like it. We'll dive deeply into his start. I'm not going to ruin anything. I'm just going to tell you a little bit about him. He had six and two-thirds, five hits, two earned runs, a walk, and 3K. I mean, what else I can like we ask from this guy, That's right? a great pick. Yeah. Um, and for my underrated performer, I wanted to give credit to somebody that <clears throat> I don't think we brought up too much, but I think he had a really good, really productive week, uh, Tapia. I mean, he was Rafael Tapia. He was tremendous this week. Um, four of 11. He scored seven runs. He had one home run, one RBI, and he walked four times. So he was on – in 11 at-bats, he was on base eight times. That's nice. tremendous. Um, he had a three, 364 batting average, a 563 on base percentage, a 636 slugging percentage, and a 1.199 OPS. That's the second highest this week on the Brewers. So tremendous stuff from all of these guys. The Brewers are playing good baseball this week, people. But again, you wouldn't know that by reading Facebook comments. And I, I like your picks. Those are good picks. Um, and yeah, Facebook comments are the worst place to get information from. I'll just say that. 
unless they're ours, because I think we've done a pretty good job of cultivating a good following of level-headed fans. And we try to be informative and like, it's just ridiculous, dude. I'll get into it later. I have something to say later, but okay. I it's ridiculous. And I can throw this out there too, and we can discuss it after after the games that it applies to. But we've also debuted now with yesterday's game, um, our our positive takeaways graphic. Yeah. So we put, you know, we've been doing win graphics for teams, but we decided we didn't want uh, people to feel like we're just ignoring losses. Mm-hmm. but we wanted to also post what we are thinking after the losses to show that there are other um, to show that there are other takeaways than just getting angry that the team lost, especially mm-hmm. a game like yesterday where they lost an extra innings and a frustrating one, so which we'll get to. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So for my power pair, I went with Christian Yelich. He could have been my power uh, position player four weeks in a row. I let you have him last week because I didn't want to do him three weeks in a row because it felt like a little bit of overkill. But I'm back on restart the streak again this week. In six games, Yelich was 11 for 26. That's a 423 batting average. Oh my god, absurd! Yeah, and the dude's just—he's just raking. Like he's constantly hitting the ball hard. Like even his outs, you know, he's not making a lot of soft contact. Mm-hmm. Um, his hard hit percentage over the last week: 29.2. And his medium contact, 50%. Dude, he is killing. He is killing. He's smoking the ball lately. My gosh. So this is really exciting stuff. So Christian Yelich also had eight RBI last week. Hmm. Only four strikeouts in 30 plate appearances. God damn. That's 6.7% strikeout percentage. That's pretty damn good. That's insanely low. Yeah. Uh, and then a 500 on base percentage. He had four walks to go with his 11 hits. Jesus. His his weighted runs created plus last week, which 100 is par. 221. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. Whew. Pretty good. Dude's, that guy should have been an all-star, in my opinion. He really should be an all-star. Hitting over 280 now. Yeah. And Take you look that, at- haters. If you look at his stats, they're eerily similar to what they were in 2018. Yeah, he, he's he on leads, almost the exact same pace. I think he leads the team in every statistical category except home runs. That sounds right. Um, sure. He is one of five players in all of Major League Baseball to be 10 home runs and five, or sorry, Christian Yelich is one of five players to have 10 home runs and 20 stolen bases. Yeah. The 20 stolen bases is massive, dude. With the average. Yeah, he's been very good. Okay. So, my power pitcher, I went with Corbin Burns. Uh, he rebounded very well from a couple of short starts, five and, and a five and two thirds starts uh, to pitch seven innings, only give up one hit, two walks, two earned runs, and seven strikeouts. That felt much more like a Corbin Burns appearance. Yeah, it was fun to watch. It was very fun to watch. I got, dude, wait till I tell you about his strikeouts. Oh, yes. Cannot wait. <laughs> Which we'll get there. For my underrated performer, huh, I said it's got to get a haircut. For my underrated performer, I went with Willie Adamas. His average was just 233 over the last week, but he is on a five-game hitting streak. Um, so last week he had a 280 batting average on balls in play. On the hmm. season, 
It's 244, so that suggests to me that Willie Adamas is a little bit unlucky and facing some good defense. Yeah. So I do like Willie Adamas over the last week. Um, 17.1 strikeout percentage for Willie Adamas. His season percentage is 27. So he's striking out less over the last week, which I appreciate. Mm -hmm. And then... His hard hit percentage is down a little bit for his season average. He hit the ball hard, 28% of the bats last week. His season average is 33.2, but his medium contact percentage is 56. So he's still overall not hitting a lot of soft contact. I don't think I do think, I do think, and we talked about this before the show, and I agree with you, that it feels like Willie Adamas is starting to turn a corner. Yeah, I think so too, man. Uh, we, we just we both agreed that we, he just looks more balanced. Yeah. And then the only thing that I really have to say with Willie Adamas is his fly ball percentage is still 44%. Mm. So he's just he's just got to get the ball down a little bit. He's getting closer though, dude. And we like like you said we were talking about it. His leg, the timing of the leg and the bat is just getting so close. He's going to start cranking some homers second half, dude. I agree with you. And and just just getting some line drives is what I really want to see from him. I agree. Yeah. Okay. So we have two Mets games from last week to talk about. Um, let's start with, let's start with last Wednesday mm-hmm. and third game from the Mets series. What, what stood out to you from that one? <clears throat> um, well, Wade Miley is, uh, he's a little bit more, he's more well-known than Colin Ray, but again, he's in that same line of respect where what more can we ask from this guy? This guy's giving us quality starts and he's, he's eating innings. Um, uh, this one, he didn't eat a ton of innings, only four, but. Also, only three three uh, hits. Uh, he had the three walks in the, t- in the two earned runs. If he would have had not had the walks, he probably would have had a longer start, in my opinion. Um, the three Ks. Uh, Bryce Wilson. He was actually pretty good this week, to be honest with you. I think. True. True. Um, he he was better than he's been, and nobody mentioned that. I, I he didn't even come up in my mind until I just read his name right now. Not even gonna lie to you. Um, Hobie Milner. I love the role. I wanted to say this. I love the role that Craig Council's put him in now. He's literally just a specialist against lefties, and he's dominating in it. Mm-hmm. Not that he his, can't face righties every once in a while, but he is dominating lefties right now. His slider against lefties has to just be so defeating. <laughs> like, you go from that, and then you got Paguero, Piamps, and Williams after that. Like, <laughs> what are you doing with that? You're not uh, – ask the Mets. What are you doing with that? Um, you're going to get two hits in three innings. That's what you get. Congratulations. Um, I love Paguero, dude. He's become one of my favorite players. Um, well, first first and foremost, his name is Elvis, dude. Like, come on. That's, that's why we, we had to post the Elvis graphic. Had to be yeah. done. Sick name. Um, and then Piams, that's your boy. Uh, Devin Williams. Uh, this was his 26th, 26th. I knew I was going to struggle. I tried to practice today at work. Uh, scoreless appearance this season. So that's pretty damn good. Two strikeouts for him. Uh, Yelly and Winker both had two RBIs. With two outs, uh, so four of our five runs were with two outs. And Blake Perkins, another guy that we talked about, we were talking all day today. Mm-hmm. Blake Perkins is another guy who's been putting some really freaking good at bats together. He was almost my underrated performer. So close, dude. He he's doing better than what his numbers say, in my opinion. He's yep. doing a better job than his numbers say. He provides speed. He's giving us good at bats from both sides of the plate. He's playing solid defense. So. Uh, really no complaints about Blake Perkins. His job is safe in my eyes. I agree. Um, 
honestly, I think the guy whose job's really in jeopardy is Tyrone Taylor. Yeah. I mean, he's injured right now, but um, I don't think they're in any rush to bring him back. Yeah. So I, w- I would be more rushed to bring this guy up than oh, I would be bringing him back. That's all I'm going to say about that. September call-ups. I mean, he's got to be first on the list. Freaking please. God. Okay. So, game three, Christian Yelich is on to lead the game off. A double that was 113 miles an hour off the bat. That was his fourth straight game that he batted leadoff that he reached base to start the game. Holy shit. Nice stat. Like it. There was one game where he batted second, so I had to go back uh, five games, but Four out of the five games, he was leading off, and he was on base to lead off the game in all four of those games. I like it. I like it a lot. (laughs) (laughs) William Thomas did a good job to work a walk, and then Jesse Winker with a 2-0 double to the opposite field put the Brewers up Mm -hmm. 2-0. Bottom of the first, Wade Miley absolutely locked in. Uh, His timing was messing up hitters, and he was locating the ball well. You could tell Mets hitters were not even just frustrated, but you could tell they were just straight-up pissed. (laughs) <laughs> Wade Miley was was changing up the timing on him, and that was working to his advantage. Um, yeah. Bottom of the second, Tommy Pham did catch up to an inside fastball, put it out just inside the left field foul pole, made it two to one. Top of the third, William Contreras led off with an opposite field single. Jesse Winker again, another two out single. He was two for two to start this game. A walk by Owen Miller, and then the bases loaded, stranded. But uh, Kodai Senga was at 70 pitches in three innings. Mm. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, made Wade Miley got through three innings on 46 pitches. And in part to Willie Adamas, who was everywhere defensively. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Top of the fourth inning, Christian Yelich got his second hit. Bottom of the fourth inning, Wade Miley got a little shaky, and this is my opinion is part of why he got pulled was just because he was losing because losing the command a little bit. So Wade Miley in the fourth inning went walk, single, walk, walk, and that tied the game at two with zero outs still. Mm-hmm. Wade Miley did come back, struck out Brett Beatty looking, and then gets a double play to end the inning. Yeah, the strikeout, by the way, disgusting. Dotted. Yeah. Couldn't paint it on any better. No, you couldn't. And that guy knew it too. <laughs> yeah. To go from four straight guys reaching base, bases loaded, tie game, zero outs, to strikeout, double play, that that takes nuts. And there was a post a couple weeks ago. Um, oh, actually a couple days ago. Somebody posted the July schedule, right? And I And she was like, I'm worried about the July schedule. And the only thing I commented was, I'm not worried. This team has guts. This team literally has guts. And I'm not worried about them one bit. I don't care who they face. They're going to compete. I like it. So top of the fifth, the Brewers had a chance to snag back the momentum, and they go one, two, three. Um, After having that that strikeout, that double play, it felt like a chance where the Brewers could really just grab control of the game and just take the the wind out of the sails of the Mets. Um, They went one, two, three. It happens. Um, It is what it is. Bottom of the fifth, Bryce Wilson is in, like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Top of the sixth, the Brewers get to the Mets' bullpen. This is where we talked about this last week with the first two games of the series. No game is over if the Mets lead and you are getting to their bullpen. The hilarious thing about that is you texted me. 
I believe it was like a half an hour before, and you're like, God, the Mets bullpen is so trash. Literally, as you're saying that, right, it made me think of my dad. Texted me almost a half an hour, like on the dot. He said, God, the Mets, the Mets bullpen is trash. <laughs> and like you guys sent the same text message, and I was like, Are they fucking right next to each other or what? <laughs> so, uh, top of the six, Kodai Senga is out of the game. Owen Miller um, leads off with a double. Brian Anderson had a lineout. Uh, Blake Perkins then hit that single you mentioned, gave the Brewers a 3-2 lead. Um, hey, Brett. Hey, it's Brett. Brett watched, like, the whole show on Friday night, so I appreciate Hell it. Yeah, Brett, double T. Let's go. Double T. Nice. I like it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so... That gave the Brewers the 3-2 lead. Bottom of the six, Bryce Wilson went out, single out, and then Hobie Milner came in to strike out Beatty, this time swinging. So, Brett Beatty's probably a little frustrated um, just getting kind of owned by the Brewers pitching. Um, <laughs> Brett said, I hate those single T, Bretts. They one suck. One of, our, <laughs> one of our best friends has got a single T, Brett. <laughs> I know. I wanted to say he sucked just in case he watches this. <laughs> <laughs> Bottom of the seventh, Paguero came in, gave up a leadoff single, then went one, two, three to follow. Top of the eighth, Brian Anderson had a two-out double. Blake Perkins drew a walk. Joey Weimer got hit on the hand. Now, this yeah. is where a lot of people were questioning if um, – oh, Tim's back too. We got we got all the OGs in here. Tim need says, to be a bill in here too. Um, so this is where I saw a lot of people questioning if Joey Weimer was swinging at the pitch that hit his hand. And I think what ended up being the ultimate thing was that Joey Weimer was checking his swing. Then when the ball hit his hand, it took the bat out of his hand and the bat continued. Yeah. So if the bat was still in his hands, he would not have swung. But the ball knocked the bat out of his hand. So I think that's where they decided that it wasn't a swing. I'll say this. Joey Weimer had a better fate than, than seventh grade Jake. Because I had almost the exact same thing happen. And I remember I had blue Under Armour gloves and I was swinging. And as I was trying to stop, because the ball hit me right here on the wrist, I tried to stop and I let go of the bat and I said, shit. And I'm seventh grade, so I probably shouldn't do that. But I said, shit. And I went, bah, I said, shit. And my my hand was like, my hand and wrist was just inflamed. And they called me for a strikeout. I was like, wow, well, just kick a guy while he's down. Like, literally. <laughs> um. Christian Yelich followed it up with a two RBI single that made it five to two. That's four guys in a row getting it done with two outs. Love to see it. That's seriously, if the Brewers, honestly, you can take everything that I've talked about the last two weeks. Two weeks ago, I talked about the team, what they can do. And last week I went through it individually. You can take all of that, crumple it up and throw it out the window. If you can just get guys on base and continue getting to the next guy in the order with two outs. Yep. You can literally just throw everything else out the window if you just keep going with two outs. <laughs> Tim said he would have called you out, too. <laughs> you deserve this. <laughs> but seriously, though, I mean, getting it done with two outs, it trumps essentially everything else. Yeah, I agree. Bottom of the eighth, Piamps is in, gets the first two out, gives up a single, gets the third out on a strikeout looking, just another painted, like, pitch. And the thing is, is he was down 3-0 to the third batter. Um, three really bad misses. Um, came back, painted a 96-mile-an-hour fastball on the outside corner. Eesh. Nuts, Eesh. guts, whatever you want to say, the Brewers got some. 
They got, they got. Joel Pyams has them, and we got Thanks, a stress-free, thankfully. Um, bottom of the ninth inning, Devin Williams went one, two, three. Only took thirteen pitches to get it done. Yeah, man, he's uh, he was on a pretty good streak until uh, till recently when he was making us st- stressed out. Yeah. And you know, Bill Schroeder actually called that out. You know, they were talking about how good he is, and Bill Schroeder was like, not all of his saves are clean. He makes us sweat him out. And I'm like, yeah, he does, dude. You ain't lying. He does. <laughs> um, Brett, yeah, we'll get to we'll get to David Ross from yesterday's game. But uh, I want to call alert. out that four of the Brewers' five runs were scored with two outs. Yes. Uh, Tyler and I have different opinions about last night, so stay tuned for that as well. Yeah, we'll get to that. Okay. Uh, finale against the Mets. So the Brewers, <laughs> with, with winning game three, they guaranteed at least a series split. The New York Mets did not win a single series the entire month of June. Love it, baby. <laughs> Love it, baby. And thanks uh, to the Brewers, they didn't get a split in this series either. Gotta love it. Uh, you want me to go? Yep. Game four. Get it on. If you would have told me that Adrian Hauser was going to outpitch Max Serger in New York, I would have called you a fucking moron. I'm not even going to lie to you. I'd have been like, are you stupid, dude? That's Max Scherzer, dude. <laughs> You're like, not likely. Um, but he absolutely did, in my opinion. Um, Adrian Hauser, I mean, I mean, the seven hits, and we've talked about this with Adrian Hauser before. He's a he's a contact guy, like yep. a Julio Tehran, right? Yep. And I have some opinions on him, too, and we talked about his start. Um, but six innings pitch, seven hits, the one walk, only two earned runs, and five Ks, I mean – Come on. Beautiful. That's tremendous stuff. Beautiful. Um, I'd say drug test. <laughs> um, Hobie Milner, again, used as a specialist, absolutely dominating in that role. Um, Paguero gave two-thirds of an inning, no hits, no walks, no earned runs, no case. He just he got it done, right? Uh, Piamps, the swag, dude. I, I can't get over Piamps swag. The dude literally walks with – he walks with so much swag, he gives me swag through the TV. It's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> and Devin Williams had his 27th straight scoreless inning. I didn't struggle with the 27, like the 26. But the play of the game was Victor Carantini saying, suck my Carantini, and it was fucking tremendous, dude. It was tremendous. He launched that son of a bitch, and he just looked at it. And I was like, yeah, stare at did. that. That was awesome. Stare at it, one. Victor. You, know he did. you earned that one, Victor. Oh, it was awesome. It was awesome. Okay. So both teams went one, two, three in the first inning. Um, Christian Yelich on base, leadoff streak, done it four. Um, top of the first inning, Brewers got a pair of one-out singles by Brian Anderson and Victor Caratini. We're both stranded. Mm-hmm. Um, top of the third, two more one-out walks. Christian Yelich and Jesse Winker are both stranded. Uh, bottom of the third, that's where the Mets got their back-to-back solo home runs. Yeah. Um, Brett said Hauser and Miley have been sleepers in our mid-rotation while Woodruff is out, and they're super helpful for it. Yeah. Imagine imagine what they're going to be like when we get a Woodruff back. Mm. And if we if we can get a consistent Freddie Peralta. Yeah. We get a consistent Corbin Burns, and we hit with two outs. It's the, the NL, besides the Braves, I've said this before, besides the Braves, the Brewers can compete with any of these teams. Yep, I agree. The Dodgers They've aren't crazy it. this year. The Diamondbacks, we've competed with the Diamondbacks now. Yep. The Diamondbacks are just young. In a few yep. years, they're going to be nuts. But literally outside of the Braves, who are literally on fire right now, where they have nine straight, ten straight wins again. Something, something like, like that. that. They were they were 21-4 and four in June. Yeah, Ridiculous. They're, 
They're stupid. They're like 30 games over 500. That team is loaded. They have eight all-stars. Yeah. So, obviously, outside of them, the NL is wide open. The Brewers yeah. 100% end up in the NLCS. Yeah, I'm not even to the kidding. Show. I don't care. Yeah, I'm not even kidding, dude. <laughs> okay, so back-to-back solo home runs. The first one was a change-up on the outer third. To me, Adrian Hauser just needs to locate that one a little bit lower or a little bit more outside. Mm-hmm. I'm not super worried about it. Um, essentially the same thing with the one that Nimmo hit out. Uh, he just threw a sinker, another one that was on the outer third, just a little bit too high in the middle third of the plate. Either get it a little bit down or a little bit outside, and that's going to be like a long fly out instead of a home run. Nimmo's got a lot of power. so I He does he have a lot of power, and he succeeds well against the Brewers. Um, Brett said so many people counted Yelich out, but I kept telling people, be patient. Baseball's a marathon. Also, one year he broke his kneecap, which I thought last year was bothering him. Um on the subject of Yelich, last year it was, seemed like his back was bothering him more than his, his knee. But the year before, the 2021 season, I do agree that that was the season that um, his knee was potentially bothering him a lot. And he didn't really have a normal offseason at all in between the knee injury and this season. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yes, I mean, if I had a dollar for every time I tried to say that baseball is the most zoomed-out regular season, I'd probably have season tickets. You'd have a lot of money right now. <laughs> I, dude, I'd have so much cash. Man. I wouldn't need this desk chair right now. I could just be sitting on a stack of cash for how many times I've been trying to tell people that baseball is <laughs> the most zoomed out regular season. Money chair, baby. Dude, someday. When I when someday. I when they start paying me for when I say things like if I had a dollar for this. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So Top of the fourth inning, Bryce Durang had a nice double to the right center gap on an inside fastball, was stranded. Oh, well. Um, yeah, so many quote-unquote fans saying we need to get rid of Yelich. Yeah, God forbid people be patient about stuff. Um, bottom of the fourth inning, Hauser gave up a leadoff single, then went one, two, three. Top of the fifth, Jesse Winker extended his hitting streak to three games. Mm-hmm. Don't look now. <laughs> top of the sixth inning. Rowdy Telez let off with a leadoff single off the second baseman's glove. And then Victor Caratini, the first pitch that he sees, a four-seam fastball, basically in the same spot that the back-to-back home runs were hit off a hauser, he hits a two-run home run to tie the game. Oh, just 104 that. miles an hour off the bat. Uh, he smoked it, dude. You could tell it was going right away. Oh, man. Yeah, he did. It was perfect. He knew it. Mm. He had the right angle on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned Hauser's appearance through six innings. Only took him 89 pitches to get through those six innings. So if we're in a crunch, you know, maybe Hauser goes out for another inning, but his previous two appearances came out of the bullpen. So mm-hmm. maybe just not wanting to push him and yeah. um, relying on other guys. Top of the seventh, William Contreras hit a pinch hit infield single. Willie Adamas got hit by a pitch. Owen Miller came in to pinch hit. He had an infield single. Brian Anderson hit a sack fly. He missed, I don't know, five or six feet away from being a grand slam. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it was like, you know, like a just missed or he barely missed a grand slam, but he was, he was a, a few feet short, but he did his job, got a sack fly. got the Brewers three, two lead. Mm-hmm. Um, Brett said, I think if Jesse can stay healthy, he can be solid. It's shown with these refs. I'm not, I, I'm not opposed to it. I think Winker, I think Winker's turning a corner too. Um, after his home run, they were talking about his swing as well, and he's getting a little bit more on balance too. And the, thing the guy that I'm only worried about is Rowdy Telez now. He's, yeah. he's the last one to worry about because he's just, alert. I'm going to ask you about that. 
Dude, he needs a fucking all-star break. Just, just hold on. We'll get there. We'll get there. We got to get through the rest of these games, and then we'll get to Rowdy. Okay. Um. Yeah, so Brian Anderson got the Brewers the lead. Hobie Milner in for the bottom of the seventh. He got the first out after a leadoff single. Um, a rare error by Brian Anderson and a hit-by-pitch brings in Elvis Peguero, who comes in, gets Darling Marte to ground out to Bryce Durang for an easy double play. Just huge, huge. Um, Brett meant reds, not refs. I was wondering what he meant with refs. Yeah, uh, he said reds. <laughs> um, uh, huge for Elvis Peguero to come in and get a, a double play ground out with the bases loaded and the Brewers up by one. Uh, bottom of the eighth, you already mentioned Piamps. He went one, two, three. Bottom of the ninth, stressful but successful. That's what I'm going to start calling these appearances. Uh. Stressful but successful Devin Williams appearance. Gets a fly out and then goes walk, single, ground out, walk, and strikes out Kettle, or sorry, Starling Marte with the bases loaded on three pitches. All of them change-ups, two of the three outside of the strike zone. Yeah, dude. The last one that he threw was probably the best one he threw the whole game, and what a time to throw it, dude. Seriously, that was that was gross. Like I said, if, it seems like one out of every five appearances, he's going to load the bases just to get some drama going and then just shut the door. So on on this subject real quick, because New York fans were going nuts on Starlin Marte, and we – we're trying to develop a better mindset with our fans here in Wisconsin. Right. Yep. And this is one of those moments. That's one of those pitches where you just, you kind of tip your cap. Cause you're like, not many guys are hitting that. Right. You got to be a really good hitter to hit that change up in that moment. And how good of a change up he threw. Like you got to be like a, a Mike Trout or a Shohei, or, you know, you got to be one of those top guys to be able to get, get a hold of that one. Yeah. And at that moment, like if those guys are up to bat, like we we talked to one when Mike Trout was when we played Mike Trout and he hit home runs. We're like, it's Mike Trout, dude. Yep. So I feel like that's one of those moments where the New York fans could learn from us. Honestly, they could probably learn more than just this. But I agree just, with you. Just tip your cap, right? Like tip your cap. That was a great pitch at that time. There's He's no- an all star for a reason. Right. There's nothing wrong with respecting your opponents when they play better. Like there's really yeah. there's nothing wrong with it. Um, I will respect you more if you give respect to your opponents than I would if you cling to trash talk just for the sake of clinging to trash talk. Yeah, it's like when when last year, the, and I always bring it to Packer season because, good God, football fans go nuts. And then because football is so big, they treat baseball this way, right? Because they only play one game a week in football. So they kind of yeah. have that same mindset with baseball, which is why they freak out after one loss. And last year when we played the Commanders and – you know, Terry McLaurin made a crazy catch over Jair Alexander. Yeah. And people are like, oh, Jair's trash. It's like, no, dude. Terry McLaurin is just really good, and he made a really good catch. What do I say? I mean, you say a lot of things. Which one are you pointing out now? When you're talking about offense and defense. Oh, yeah. Great offense beats good defense every time. I mean, every time. It, it does. And, you know, that was a moment where on our show we gave credit to Terry McLaurin because Terry McLaurin is one yeah. of the best wide receivers in this game. He's always a sleeper because he doesn't have a quarterback. And he, he made a great play on Jair. For the inconsistency that he's dealt with. Yeah, yeah. I would love – man, imagine him in Green Bay with Rodgers the last couple of years. He would have been nuts with us, right? But, you know, it is what it is. But they could learn to give credit to Devin Williams for that pitch. The whole yeah. thing I'm trying to say. And that's – yeah, like I said, I, I give you – I give respect to people who have the ability to give that respect. I'm reading uh, – 
Brett's comment here. Brian Anderson, I am happy he's back from paternity list. Me fucking too, because I have some things about that. He's been a sleeper <laughs> bat, and Telez going to the 10-day DL. With his slump, maybe this will help him, because his bat lately, he should be in AAA. We're going to get there. We're going to get there. Okay. Okay. I have some opinions We're on We're going to get there. I have some opinions on Rowdy. We got five <laughs> games. Five games to talk about. We got the okay. Pirates series, okay. then we got the first two against the Cubs. Yeah, so, let's get this shitty one over with. Yeah, just say what you want to say about the first one. I really don't even care because I have – people are going to call it excuses if they want to, but you got to learn okay. how baseball works. Okay. So, one, two, three, four, five, six. Six individuals had RBIs. Two hmm. individuals had two out RBIs, Miller and Terang. Peralta, gutty. For him to go out there after having, what was it, a 34, 35 uh, pitch inning, for him to go back out there and give us another inning of work was absolutely phenomenal. Nothing but respect for for Freddy Peralta. Excuse me. Pinone, it is what it is. <laughs> These guys are yeah. new. They were getting their first experience. Um, and Bush, all I'm going to say about that is, yeah, you know, he, he hasn't been great since we acquired him. Um, at the end of the day, these are still human beings, so I'm not going to be like, you're trash, you suck, I hate you. Like, do you think the guy wants to give up a walk-off home run? No. Right. Clearly he wants to strike the guy out or make him ground right. out or make him fly out. Like, he just – he doesn't have it. The Brewers noticed that right away. And even after the two nuts ballsy wins in a row versus the Mets – People still resorted to this team sucks after one freaking loss. Yep. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yep. I'm going to let you say what you got to say now. Okay. So I'm going to address Brett real quick. He said <laughs> like all these fans after one year, if love is average, people will say drop him after one year, not knowing Rogers was six and 10 his first year. And that's the thing. We, we would really love to get a lot of people watching our show, um, especially the one that we're going to do next Friday. Cause we're going to talk about how we're going to keep track of Jordan love's development over the season. Yep. Um, it's going to go way beyond wins and losses, way beyond wins and losses, mm-hmm. which shouldn't be a track stat for quarterbacks. Anyways, that's a different discussion though. Slide so in there. <laughs> first game, first game of the pirates, both teams went one, two, three in the first, both teams had one runner, no runs in the second, third inning. Weimer got hit by a pitch again. Um, and Ryan Tapia bunted for a single. Um, the third baseman was playing near the shortstop hole and the pitcher was leaning towards the right side. That's one of those rare, like occurrences of where a guy bunts for a single and it makes sense. Um, yeah. So I'll leave that. Following that Christian Yelich hit a double over the right fielder, 105.5 mile an hour off the bat. Uh, William Contreras hit a short grounder. The Pittsburgh third baseman tried to go home. Tapia scored. Brewers were up 2-0. Uh, then Rowdy Telez got a single to right center and made the game 3-0. Um, William Contreras went to third on it. Willie Adamas followed that up with a sack fly and put the Brewers up 4-0. Bottom of the fourth, McCutcheon led off with a home run. Um, and then Peralta went walk, strikeout, walk, and then gave up a two-run double, made the game 4-3. to um, Both hits were in the middle, bottom third of the zone. Um, Freddie Peralta's just got to locate those pitches just a little bit better, either just a little bit lower or, like I said, like a little bit farther outside with some of the ones that Hauser had. Mm-hmm. 
Bottom of the fifth, Owen Miller made a really nice diving stop in the third base shortstop hole to take a hit away from McCutcheon. Um, top of this game gets to top of the seventh inning. Christian Yelich leads off the single. William Contreras gets hit by a pitch. Um, Brian Anderson pops out. Willie Thomas strikes out. And then Owen Miller, he doubles at the most opportune times. Yeah, he does. Like. <laughs> Hits a double, rips it over the third baseman, makes the game 5-3. to three. Bryce Durang follows with another double to the right field corner, makes the game 7-3. to three. Uh, And then you mentioned Pannonian, gave up a leadoff single, got two outs, and then went walk single, made the game 7-4, to four, and then got a strikeout to end that inning. Bottom of the eighth, Pannonian still out. Uh, went leadoff single, and then a double made it to 7-5, and then got out of it with no more. And then bottom of the ninth is where we get to Matt Bush. Now, I've stated like previously, this was during the last Pirate series, that Carlos Santana was an underrated pickup by the Pirates. Very underrated signing in free agency. Mm-hmm. So Matt Bush went single, ground out, double, made it 7-6, to six, got another ground out, and then Santana on a two-strike count. Um, just a fastball, or sorry, first pitch, sorry. Uh, fastball up, just Matt Bush missing. And I and it sucks because I believe that Matt Bush has really electric stuff. He's got a high-heat fastball, and he's got a really electric curveball. Mm-hmm. But his velocity was down about a couple miles an hour when he came back from the injured list, and he just he just didn't have it. So the thing is, is people being like, why don't you use Devin Williams there? Why don't you use Joel Pineapps there? Why don't you use Elvis Paguero there? Why don't you use Hobie Milner there? And this is why. The Brewers are in the middle of 17 games in 17 days. Yeah. Because I saw people make the same, like, whiny remarks about Christian Yelich getting a day off the day after he hit his home run. Mm-hmm. Christian Yelich, it's a home run and he gets benched? No. He's got a scheduled off day because the Brewers are playing 17 days straight. Nobody yeah. in the roster is playing all 17 of those games. Literally none of them. Yeah. Coming into the first game of the Pirates series, Joel Piams had pitched three of the last five days. Devin Williams had pitched four of the last five days. And Hobie Milner and Elvis Baguero had both pitched five of the last six days. None of them were pitching in this game. Craig Council didn't want to use Bryce. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Wilson in this game either. So it came back to hurt a little bit that the Brewers weren't able to go as deep in the Mets series. Mm-hmm. Where the Wade Miley, the four-inning start, it does kind of hurt a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it's why we're seeing this revolving door in the bullpen with guys going up and down and up and down and some guys being DFA'd and then re-signed to AAA. Uh, going back and forth, it's going to be a revolving door during this 17-game stretch. So that's what I thought with, with Matt Bush. Christian Yelich was still two for five. Owen Miller was three for five. Um, not a horrible game, just an unfortunate ending, really. Brewer scored seven runs, man. That was that was a great sign. I got a, I got a little stat for you when we get to yesterday's game. <laughs> so second game of the Pirates series, what's it all to you from that one? Because after the first game, I'm like, all right, just regroup, win the series. That's what I wanted. Well, <laughs> we talk about timing a lot. Uh, in baseball, it's definitely a big thing. And Corbin Burns' timing uh, for this game to throw this gem was phenomenal. Um, well, he was perfect for a while. Uh, he was. Six innings, five innings, five. six innings, five, five innings. The sixth inning is when they got him, yeah. Yep, he, um, he had a walk in the first pitcher, the first batter of the sixth inning. Yeah. Um but he was really good. Uh, obviously, Tyler went over his stats. Seven seven innings pitch, one hit, the two walks, two earned runs, and seven Ks. And he was commanding everything, and he was throwing strikes, and he was he was phenomenal. Um, they brought Andrews back in, and uh, oh no, this was his first first appearance. My apologies. Um, he, they brought him in, and he was having a little bit of a rough outing because we were up ten to zero, and they were like, "All right, let's let's bring the let's bring the guy in and." Let's do this and uh, have him eat some innings. He was he was rough, and th- this goes back to uh, the bullpen, you know, working a lot. So Corbin Burns going seven innings was like honestly a match made in heaven. Where okay, I understand the buttons he was trying to push, and he probably didn't want to. He didn't want to use Bryce Wilson in this this opportunity either, but yep. he, his hand was forced. Um, but Andrews had a rough outing, but you know what? Learning experience. Throw him into the fire. Let him figure it out. Right, right. and the Pirates aren't. The Pirates aren't the Pirates that we know a couple of years ago. They they got some hitters over there. Yeah. And they're still injured and they got some hitters. Um, so when they're fully healthy, that's a pretty damn good offense, man. Um, even freaking uh, – who am I thinking of? Uh, freaking 22 McCutcheon. McCutcheon's batting the hell out of the ball this year. He's almost hitting yeah. 300, man. He's hitting 284 or something like that now, right? Yeah. Or 287. There's teams interested in trading for him to be their DH. Yeah, he's he's – Hitting the ball good. I'd bring him back as a DH. I'm not going to lie to you. 
Yeah, he gets on base, hits the ball hard. Why not? Um, Bryce Wilson, though, he did come in and give up. He, you know, even though Andrews was responsible for the runs, he did give up a couple of the runs. Mm-hmm. But he he eventually got out of the inning, and it was kind of like a, mm-hmm. you know, that's what it felt like. Um, All right. But like you said, Yelly had a home run in this game. Tapia had a home run in this game, a two-out mm-hmm. home run. Uh, Winker with three RBIs, Carantini with an RBI, Teles with two RBIs, and Perkins with an RBI. I mean, the list of players that were producing this week is fucking ridiculous. It's, yeah. It's mm-hmm. it's great to see. Don't get me wrong, but it's uh-huh. ridiculous. Uh, Joel Apiance was also really good in this one. A um, little quick stat before you get into your um, – your breakdown here. We had a five-run second inning, a four-run sixth inning. They had a seven and three road trip, right? Yep. We also had a seven and three road trip in April. Yep. Um, making this the seventh time the Brewers have won at least seven games on a 10-game road trip in franchise history. Like that one? Did you have that one too? I I I see all the stats. I am the all-seeing eye when it comes to cool stats. I know it's ridiculous. <laughs> I, sometimes I think you have three sets of eyes. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I just have a really active Twitter account. It's nuts. nuts. <laughs> okay, so Christian Yelich back to his getting on base to lead off games. Let off with a walk. Willie Adams pulled a single, um, and Christian Yelich was aggressive to get over to third base. Roddy Tellez hit a sack fly, made the game one to zero. Top of the second inning, Brian Anderson let off with a single. Bryce Terang followed with an opposite field single. And Brian Anderson, aggressive to third base. And then Blake Perkins with a fielder's choice, made the game 2-0. to zero. Um, Brett said, I'm liking this year. Brewers finally playing good on the road, which is usually the opposite. Yeah, that's helpful to win on the road. Brett, I don't think you were here, but I, I told Tyler before, this team has guts, and he agreed. Guts, nuts, we have it all. Guts and nuts, yeah. Put on a T-shirt. <laughs> Slap it on there. <laughs> Nuts and guts. <laughs> that could be such a dirty shirt. But anyway. Uh, great hustle by Blake Perkins to not get in the double play. Followed yeah. by a wild pitch. Blake Perkins got to second. Tapia drew a walk. And then Christian Yelich launched one into the river. 109 miles an hour off the bat. Let's go. Um, Christian Yelich just smoking the ball. Oh, yeah. Um. Made the game 5-0. to zero. Winker followed with a walk, and then Willie Adamas pulled another hit, a double to the corner. Ruiz had second and third. Roddy Telez hit a hot grounder. Winker scored. They made the game 6-0. to zero. Um, to, to be the Pirates in this situation where the Brewers had a long bottom – or sorry, a long um, top of the second, they went 1-2-3 in the bottom super quick inning right after the Brewers just sent like eight guys to the plate and mm-hmm. scored four runs. Five. Five? Was it five? The second inning. Second inning was five. Yep, you're right. Four it was five. I had yep, yep, you're right. Five runs. Um and then to go one, two, three in the bottom of that inning. That's that's, that's a win out of the sales thing. So I do credit the Pirates for coming back a little bit in this one. Mm-hmm. Um top of the third, Blake Perkins had a two out ground rule double. Corbin Burns got through three innings on 33 pitches, through four innings on 44 pitches, through five innings on 57 pitches. Like you mentioned, that's where he took the perfect game through. Uh, top of the fifth, Brian Anderson got his second hit, um, was stranded. Bottom of the fifth, Brian Anderson, nice reach to snag a line drive. Uh, his defense is so helpful. Oh, God. Our base. Uh, gold, yeah. level, gold glove level defense from Brian Anderson at third base. 
agree. We will answer your question in a second. Yes, yeah, we'll get. We'll, yep, I promise. Promise, we'll get to it. Top of the six, Blake Perkins got his second hit, ran a hit and run with Tapia batting. He hit a single, so the Brewers got first and third with no out. Christian Yelich drew a walk, and then Jesse Winker first pitch hits a bases clearing double. Seeing Jesse Winker get that hit, it felt, dude, like I can't even imagine how it felt for him to like just get that weight more weight off the back. Um, extended his hitting streak to four games. Uh, made the game nine to zero. Honestly, my favorite part of that at bat when Jesse Winker ripped that double is watching Christian Yelich run the bases. Yeah, and dude, he's so good at running the bases. Dude. He, he was like four steps after Rymel Tapia crossing home plate. Absolutely nuts for for Yelich to be flying around the bases like that. I wish it was Garrett Mitchell standing at second base and Tapia at third, but I mean. Blake Perkins has filled in nicely. Uh, Victor Caratini followed it up with a two-out single, made the game 10-0. to um, Burns through five, did have six strikeouts. You ready for this, Christian Yellett, this uh, Corbin Burns strikeout stat? Yes. Six strikeouts through five innings. All six of them came on off-speed pitches. Oh, wow, really? None of them came out of his cutter. Wow, that's that's actually crazy. Although I will say that he throws his changeup faster than some people throw a fastball, which is stupid. <laughs> um, Burns lost the perfect game and the no-hitter in the shutout in the bottom of the sixth inning. Um, Tapia in the seventh hit a solo home run, made it 11-2. Bottom of seventh, Burns got a 1-2-3 inning. Bottom of the eighth is where it got testy, like you said. Bottom of the eighth, the Pirates had six hits, a walk, and six runs. Um and then after that, had four more hits, another walk, and four more runs. Um, it just – it is what it is. I mean, the Pirates weren't effect. going away. You're, like no. you mentioned, the guy making his first appearance. Yep. Um, it was good to see after the rain delay, Piamps came in for his second save opportunity. He goes 1-2-3, ended the game with a strikeout of McCutcheon, who he fell behind 3-0, came back and struck him out. Um Willie Adamas, Brian Anderson, Blake Perkins, Rymel Tapia all had two hits. And then the biggest thing with me for the second game of the Pirates series, the Brewers drew five walks, only four strikeouts. Yes. They were being oh, aggressive. Oh, that's so good. They were making good contact and aggressive. That was a great combo. Mm. And here's the thing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preface this now because it's going to come up again when we talk about yesterday. Mm-hmm. Aggressiveness can win you games. It can. it can. It can. And we have an example of it. So we can't only want to do it when it wins us games because you don't know that you're going to win the games while you're playing them. That's true. So criticizing being aggressive when you lose, it's just – it's one of those things where it's a double-edged sword where you have to decide, like, are you going to complain about it when it doesn't work and cheer about it when it works? Because that's a conflicting viewpoint. Agreed. You either have to be aggressive or conservative when it comes to base running. Mm-hmm. You can't only be a fan of one or the other when it works and doesn't work. You can't be a fan of conservative base running when aggressive base running costs you outs. You can't be a fan of conservative base running when you see aggressive base running literally helping us win games. It literally plated the first two runs for the Brewers 
by them scoring on what what people call quote unquote productive outs, but just putting the ball in play, scoring runs because guys went first to third, doing things like that, being aggressive on the base pass. That shit matters. Yes, it does. Okay. Third game of the Pirates series. What's that out to you from that one? Besides Colin Ray. Well, I said my stat too early, by the way. Um, you did. Also, okay. <laughs> do you want to answer? Do you want to answer Brett's question before this? Oh, game yes. Or after? Yes. Okay. I'm gonna say that I'm actually okay with giving Toro a shot. He he's a switch hitter, so we could use another one of those guys. Um, I think that he was playing pretty good defense. He plays multiple positions, I believe, third and second, correct? Or is he primarily he, just third? It's. I thought he played some I think second. He's I'm not second, lie. third base. I don't know if yeah. he plays any shortstop. I don't. Know. I think he's just second and third base. Which, whatever, that's fine. Um, I just don't know who you get rid of at this point. To right, we're not we're not putting Owen Miller down. They're not just gonna get rid of Rowdy Telez. Like that's that's right. not going to happen. Um, I don't have any current issues with the way that Andrew Monasterio is playing. He's playing good no. defense. Has no. having him available as a pinch runner honestly is helpful. Yeah, it is. Um, I yeah, I don't have any complaints about Andrew Monasterio. So I'm not opposed to Toro. I I I like him, but I just don't think that there's somebody that needs to be sent down in favor of him. I actually have an opinion on what Brett just said right now. He said, uh, trade deadline, we need to be buyers for some relief help. It always seems to be in the sixth or seventh, we always give up so many hits and walks. See, that's the thing. I feel like the Brewers pitching can be so dominant for 90% of the game, and we have one inning where we just get rocked. Let me throw this out to you, Brett. Um, the Brewers signed Justin Wilson in the offseason. He's making rehab appearances. Uh, he's a left-handed reliever who's a 341 career ERA. Um, Michael said he's not sure where he read it, but he oh. thought that Turo played third, second, and first. I will look it up while Jake gives his thoughts on the third Pirates game, and I will get back to you. Okay. So, Jake, so, third Pirates game, what's it out to you? Third Pirates game uh, gave me my power pitcher this week, Colin Ray, and he was tremendous. Uh, six and two-thirds, five hits, only one walk, only two earned runs in the three Ks. The guy had 20 of 22 first pitch strikes. The guy was phenomenal. Uh, he was locating. He was throwing the fastball good, throwing the slider good. He was great. Uh, Hobie Milner comes in for his role where he absolutely just shits on the other team's left-handed hitter. So <laughs> love to see that. <laughs> Elvis Paguero was Elvis Paguero. He gave up one run, but um, you get you. Get, he was falling behind a lot of hitters. He was only one for five uh, in in first pitch strikes. So he was falling behind a lot of guys and had to had to work back in the counts. Um, but Devin Williams was Devin Williams. I mean, he, we we heard the news after this game that he got his second All Star appearance. He also got a 17th save of the season this day. So. Uh, I just want to point out, first of all, you just talked about Monasterio. He had an RBI in this game, big boy RBI. But William Contreras absolutely unloaded on a fucking baseball, dude. After we gave up a two-run homer. Yep. And this is the thing that is giving me so much hope. Mm -hmm. A left-handed pitcher. I don't give a shit who it is. The Brewers yep. struggle against lefties. Yep. A left-handed pitcher, we put up a three-spot. We responded immediately. And if, if the Mets series wasn't enough – wasn't enough or the game before this where we won 11 to eight and it took a lot of guts to get through that one with all the rain delays and everything that was going on with that. This game gave me hope because of responding immediately against a lefty pitcher. That is a very positive sign to me. Mm -hmm. And Willie started hitting lefties a little bit this week too. So I was like, he needs it. 
Oh, he does. He does so bad. And we love Willie. Like, yep. you're not going to hear us say a bad word about him. We'll say that he's struggling. We'll tell you that. We're not going to say that he's the best shortstop in baseball. We'll look at how he can improve. Unless, unless he decides to play like the best shortstop, then we'll tell you who he is, right? right. You know, kind of like Christian Yelich. He was – he wasn't – you know, he was struggling. He was hurt. But right now he's absolutely hitting the cover off the ball. So we're going to tell you that, right? And Willie needs it. And But back to Contreras, he he unloaded. He knew it was gone. He knew it was going in the, the little – little fence right there you know where it's open by the bullpen so um absolutely unloaded i love that we responded right away and we added the insurance runs in the eighth because obviously they came up pretty big um eighth and ninth i should say but yeah they were the brewers won this game they they're five and one against pittsburgh after this one and we won't see them again until august for a four-game series in milwaukee so that's going to be tough because they're going to have some guys back off injury Okay, so I want to get back to Michael and Brett, what they were talking about with mm-hmm. Abraham Toro. Abraham Toro has played 267 games in the majors over five seasons. Mm-hmm. He has made eight appearances at first base. Hmm. So he's very much primarily a second baseman, third baseman. Okay. I would so, a- I want to answer one thing about Brett right here. This one. Yeah, right I was going to come back to. Yep, that's the other one I was going to come back to. Yeah. So, if we're sending anybody to the bullpen, and Tyler and I both pointed this out a couple of weeks ago, it's going to be Adrian Hauser. Adrian I Hauser, think he yeah. would be tremendous out of the bullpen. He's a veteran pitcher. Uh, he's kind of a change of pace guy. He's a ground ball guy. So that just that just reads bullpen to me. Yep. He could be a long reliever for you as well. Yeah. Um, Michael said, I'm not really sure we have to be buyers. So many players coming back, both pitchers and fielders. Some of them yeah. in relief as Lauer Woodruff starter pushes another to middle relief. And that, like Jake just said, it's Adrian Hauser. They've shown that they already want to do that with him. Yep. Um, dude, if we get Woodruff back to form, oh baby, he's thrown oh, baby. two days in a row, I believe, out of the bullpen, <sighs> throwing in a bullpen for two days. So, oh baby. We get Woody, Woody, and and oh, I'm so excited! I can't even talk. I'm so excited. And, this and Ashby is so getting close as well, and that's where, mm-hmm. like Michael said, using Lower either in the bullpen or just leaving him in AAA to to figure out whatever he's got going on. Yeah, he's been giving up a lot of home run balls, so hopefully he can get a little better command of some of that stuff because he was really good for us last year. Um, so essentially, you're going to be looking at Burns, Woodruff, Peralta, uh, Miley, Ray, and then maybe Ashby. And whatever and man, they decide to do with Julio Tehran, whether they keep him as the sixth starter until Ashby's healthy, yeah, I mean, you're good. You're good to go. Um, I think they'll probably – Brett, what I really think they'll do is they'll run a six-man rotation. I think so, too. Give those guys an extra day off before we make the playoffs and win the NL Central, which is going to be awesome. And we've and seen could... Craig Council do things like piggybacking starters. So yep. maybe you pair an Ashby and a Julio Tehran, a righty and a lefty together, stuff like yep. that. Yeah, um, depth always helps. So we're in agreement on that. Good um, problem to have. <laughs> exactly. So Colin Ray just absolutely pouring in strikes, and the Pirates just swinging away. Uh, he gave up two hits in the second inning, a double on a low curveball, and a home run on a middle middle fastball. He just missed his spot with that one. Um, the curveball, I'm not super you know concerned about. Um, that's just a good hit, and the fastball to me, like I said, just missed his spot. Mm-hmm. Um, so two nothing after the bottom of the second inning, third, top of the third inning. Joey Weimer, a ten pitch at bat ended in a ground out. This is one of those things where it shows up in a ground out in the box score, but for Joey Weimer to take an at bat 
to 10 pitches, I do give him credit for that. That's Joey Weimer seeing the ball better, which is important because mm-hmm. he does have a tendency, especially when he wants to make plays, to expand his strike zone a little bit to his detriment sometimes. Yeah, and he pulls the head a little bit, but he's young. so Right, and I get it. He wants to make plays. He wants to make mm-hmm. impressions. So that's it is what it is. Um, top of the third, that's where that's where that happened. Uh, Ryan Tapia got hit by a pitch. Andrew Monasterio drew a walk. And then William Contreras, just an absolute no-doubt home run on a 3-1 count. Made the game 3-2 as the second longest home run by a brewer this season. 435 feet. Um, Jake got so excited that he tipped over his laptop. It was 109.9 miles an hour off the bat. Um, that was actually the second longest home run this season, only to himself. Uh, his his longest home run is 440 feet. Um, Oops. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you came back quickly because I have a stat for you after William Contreras' home run. Yes. William Contreras has nine home runs. Five of them are against left-handed pitching. He hits lefties good. That's one of the reasons they, they traded for him. So, bottom of the third, um, the Pirates had seven first-pitch swings in a row. Hmm. <laughs> Brett said he's so exciting. <laughs> Not so much to tip you over. I uh, My freaking hand got stuck in my headphones cord, and it just ripped it right down. And I was like, oh, geez, I'm so strong. <laughs> um, Colin Ray got Brian Reynolds looking, retired six straight batters after the home run. So good work by him. Mm-hmm. Um, Colin Ray made bottom or bottom of the fourth, made quick work of that inning. Um, top of the fifth, the Brewers got a pair of two out runners. William Contreras reached on an error. William Adams had a hustle double, ended up stranded. Um, bottom of the fifth, um, Pirates had a guy reach on the error, bunted him over. Now listen. The Pirates executed a sacrifice bunt. Mm. You might ask why, and I'm strongly against it because it it just does not correlate to scoring multiple runs. This was their number nine hitter. Their number nine hitter has a 168 batting average. Mm-hmm. You're essentially looking at the pitcher's spot. Yep. That's why they bunted. Not because it is to the benefit of scoring multiple runs. They did it because the guy has a 168 batting average. And it turned the lineup over. Followed up with a walk. And then two on, one out for Reynolds. Gets a fielder's choice. Um, Pirates had second and third with two outs. Gets McCunchin into an inning inning ground out. Um, Thank you for the free out on the bunt. Because had you not bunted, had that guy reach base, or, you know, the lineup just continues, uh, that ground up by McCutcheon would have produced a run. So can I, can I, you know, go a little bit ahead? Because I texted you something about the game when we were watching it. The <laughs> but, the most most hilarious thing about that bunt is that when his next at bat, he ripped a single. He the did. The nine-hole hitter ripped a single his next at bat. Yeah. And you essentially took the bat out of his hands because a baseball stat from 1986 told you that bunting means you're going to score. It's 2023, people. Get with the times. You wonder why teams don't do it because it doesn't benefit you. It, it increases your chance of scoring one run. It decreases your chance of scoring two or more. Yep. 
Okay. Bottom of the sixth inning, Colin Ray gets another one, two, three at 79 pitches. Um, bottom of the seventh, uh, Colin Ray gets his longest outing in back-to-back starts. So yeah, last yeah, week yeah. was Colin Ray's longest outing at six and a third. This week he goes six and two thirds. Um, only gave up two hits after giving up the home run. Hey, next outing, seven innings pitch. I'm dude. I am so here for it. Top of the eighth, <laughs> first come out, two two out base runners. Uh, Blake Perkins just leaving it all out there. Bryce Durang's hustle causes an errant throw, and the Brewers score two runs, makes it five to two. Bryce Durang did get thrown out at second base, but. I mean, in the excitement of it all, Brewers got two runs. That's what's important. Mm-hmm. Bottom of the eighth, uh, the Pirates did get two two-out hits off Elvis Pagaro, made the game five to three. Uh, top of the ninth, Joey Weimer reached on an error, and then Rymel Tapia put down a sacrifice bunt. Now, here's the thing: the Brewers followed that up with a double by Andrew Monasterio, made it six-three, and a single by William Contreras. Joey Weimer still would have scored had he not bunted. Yes. And here's the thing. The only thing that would have prevented Joey Weimer from scoring is Rymel Tapia grounding into a double play. Rymel Tapia is not a slow man. He's also Jake's underrated performer this week because he's doing well at the plate. Mm -hmm. We did not need to sacrifice Rymel Tapia. If he gets on, you're looking at a 7-3 game, which, you know, it is what it is. Um, the likelihood that Rymel Tapia grounds into a double play is, I'm willing to bet, lower than his batting average. I would and at agree. that point, keep the bat in his hands. And yeah. his plate discipline has also been good. Yeah, it is. Good defense, too. But very underrated pickup at this point. So, I guess my point is, is that Weimer still would have scored outside of the off chance that Rymel Tapia grounds into a double play, which, like I said, I believe that the likelihood of him grounding into a double play is lower than his batting average, so then I want him batting. I agree. Okay, and we saw the day before, too. The Pirates are capable of scoring a bunch of runs. Yes, they are. So I don't want to be winning a game by two runs if you have the opportunity to be winning a game by four runs. That's I want to score as many times as possible. And, you know, there's going to be people out there that are going to be like, yeah, but you can't guarantee four runs. Well, you can't guarantee the guy after a bunt scores either. Mm-hmm. And it takes your chances down. And, again, you know, not to harp on it, but, you know, the Brewers are better this last week. But on the season, their numbers are not great batting with runners in scoring position. So it's not like right. it matters if he's on second or first. You also cannot guarantee that your opponent is not going to score runs when they come up to bat. Especially exactly. when you're on the road and your opponent gets the bat last. Right? So, <laughs> it's just not making sense to me. So, the Pirates did get the bat last. Devin Williams only needed nine pitches to finish. Um, four saves on the road trip for Devin Williams in seven wins. Like Jake said, seven and three on the road trip is huge. Um, and then the Brewers come home. <sighs> what a game. That was Colin Ray's longest start since July 6, 2016. Yep. For Seattle, I believe it was. I don't even know because I was much younger and not paying as close attention to the everyday ins and outs of baseball. Uh, agreed, but I think I saw. Nor did I know who Colin Ray was. Neither did I. Uh... <laughs> Didn't even really know who he was in 2022. Yeah, for real. <laughs> he was some guy that went over and played in another league. <laughs> he was in Japan last year. That's where That's where the Brewers got him from. Yep. Okay, let's go to game one against the Cubs. Monday's right. game. All right, all right, all right. 
I'm gonna get into it. I'm gonna get into it. Everybody was complaining about Julio Tehran, and they miss Brian Anderson this game. I said it on literally every single post when people were complaining about us down six to zero. They missed they missed Brian Anderson's defense at third base. We also had an error in the first in the first inning by uh, Owen oh, Owen Miller that didn't help. Yep. And I, honest to God, think that Julio Tehran was doing his job. That is what he does. He gives up contact. Very We've just been playing really good about defense. The Adrian Hauser start against the Blue Jays. Yeah, it, it, yeah, to be honest with you, it's almost the same exact thing. And I think that he was doing his job. He was, and you know, even even when I was talking to my dad, he was like, "Oh, is Tehran lost gas?" And I'm like, "He's doing what he's supposed to be doing. He's doing what he's been doing. He's getting ground balls. Yep. At that point, it's out of your hands." You know, you're a ground ball guy. You get the guy to hit a ground ball. I really think that Brian Anderson gets a couple of those ground balls. I'm not going to lie to you. you yeah, know, the, I understand. The way that his defense has been playing, he could have saved us a few of those runs. Now, in the long run, because we have hindsight, it didn't cost us this game, right? Right. Thank God. Oh, my God. It can literally not happen against a better team to blow a 6 <laughs> Right? It can not happen against a better team. But holy shit, man. Um, Yelly gets a triple. Nuts also gets his 19th stolen base of the year. Uh, oh. Weimer 11, Monastero gets his third. Um, Adamus with two RBIs, and uh, little hindsight. Uh, I will say that I have a friend because you're not really friends with him, but we know a guy who's a big old Cubs fan, and he was talking shit. Yeah. He was saying that all these guys are trash, and this guy's trash, and we're trash here, we're trash here, and trash, 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 trash. Well. I loved it that Yelly and Adamas and Contreras, all the people that he said were trash, were the ones that were leading the comeback because poetic justice, baby. Poetic fucking justice. Um, Contreras, Miller, Jones. Jones gets signed that day and gets the biggest hit of the day. What the hell, dude? So awesome. He ripped that song, bitch, So dude. awesome. Ripped it. Um, Devin Williams was shut down on this one. Piamps was shut down. Um Bukakis made his Brewers debut, and he was pretty damn good, in my opinion. So He could have um, been an underrated performer this week. He could have been. I was going to give him a little bit more time because he's only had two outings so far. Right. But if he if he continues the way he's going, he's going to be he's going to be a power pitcher, not an underrated performer. We'll just say True. that, what he's doing right now. Yep. Um, but, dude, I'm going to let you do the breakdown, and I'm just going to kind of chime in when I feel like it's necessary. But I really wanted to say that about Julio Tehran because everybody was literally bitching about him. It's like, dude, are, do you understand how this works? <laughs> Apparently not. He should have had a five pitch first inning. Owen Miller had his yeah of the yeah. season. I'm not worried about it. Um, Thanks for hey. Invite all your friends that were talking about uh, Abraham Toro. We'd really appreciate that. We like uh, we like the comments, man. It keeps us going, gives us energy. So bring them all with, and uh, you keep coming back as well. Brett with double T's. He's starting uh, starting the next generation too. When he turns us on, the, his little one goes Wisco guys. That's awesome. Yes, yes, sir. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, okay. So, like I said, Tehran should have had a five pitch first inning. Uh, the, the error by Owen Miller, not a big deal. Um, Tehran followed it up with a strikeout of Ian Happ to end the inning. Bottom of the first inning, Christian Yelich gave one a ride, 103 miles an hour off the bat is what it is. Uh, William Adamas also hit a hard hit liner. His was 94.5 miles an hour off the bat. So good contact, just four outs, um, is what it is happens. Um, Top of the second, Joey Weimer is so close to robbing a double. Uh, I don't feel that this is one of those things where you need to get on Joey Weimer for not making this play. 
just because he's made so many plays. That's unfair Mm -hmm. for a guy to make a ton of plays and then for you to expect him to make the spectacular ones. Yeah. Uh, This is one of those things where if Joey Weimer makes this play, it's awesome. Off the thumb of his glove, he just missed it by a little bit. Um, Cubs followed with a single and a double, and it was 2 nothing with zero outs in the inning. Tucker Barnhart followed with a single and made it 3 to nothing. Uh, bottom of the second inning, Andre Monasterio extended his on um, base streak to 4, his hit streak to 3. Mm-hmm. Um, Brewers didn't get any runs that inning, but Cubs got two, sorry, three two-out hits, made it 6-0 to zero in the top of the third. That would be it for the Cubs. Ha! <laughs> Bottom of the third, Bryce Durang drew a one-out walk. William Contreras uh, hit a double to left center, made the game six to one. Mm-hmm. Christian Yell- Christian Yelich, Christian Yelich followed with a pulled triple. That's the one that Jake mentioned before. That was ninety-eight miles an hour off the bat. Mm-hmm. Um, in into third base, standing like he pulled up cruising speed. And just like, yeah, I'll, I'll stick with the triple. Bill Schroeder said that, too. He said, because they were showing the highlight of him running, he was like, he was kind of jogging there. And I'm like, bro, jogging? He got a triple jogging? Ridiculous. He, he could have hit a triple and rounded third base. Like, that's how fast he is. Right. Willie <laughs> uh, Adamas followed that up with a single, made the game 6-3. to three. Owen Miller and Blake Perkins um, struck out to end the third. Sorry. Yeah, that was the third. Mm-hmm. Top of the fourth, Cubs got a two-out single, nothing else. Bottom of the fourth, the Brewers had two walks that were stranded on base. Top of the fifth, Julio Tehran, one, two, three inning. Bottom of the fifth, Brewers stranded two more walks. Top of the sixth, Julio Tehran, one, two, three inning. Tehran retired nine straight batters after giving up six runs. Yeah, he really, he settled in for sure. So good for him, like you mentioned, for guys eating innings. Julio Tehran doing it in this game. Uh, A couple people commented on it on our winning uh, graphic for that day that Julio Tehran could have been an underrated performer for eating innings after giving up six earned runs. That stuff is still important when it comes to bullpen usage because we've seen what it can do when your bullpen is spread too thin and you have to use guys you aren't comfortable with in certain situations. Mm -hmm. The example being having to use Matt Bush in a save situation. Yep. Uh, I mean, Council's hand was kind of forced that situation. So, top of the seventh, and this is one of two outings for J.B. Bukowskis. Uh, hit by pitch on the leadoff batter, follows with a double play, gives up a walk, and then gets a lineup. Uh, sorry, a line out. This is what I feel is a really underrated inning for him, even though the Brewers are still down by three runs, to to pitch a score of the seventh to keep it at three. Mm-hmm. Um, and for being a guy who's not super experienced to do so. So bottom of the seventh, Christian Yelich has a single 108 miles an hour off the bat. Owen Miller gets a two-out walk. Uh, Raimel Tapia draws a two-out walk. Um, they send up Jesse Winker for Andrew Monasterio. The Cubs make a pitching change, and then Council brings up another pinch hitter and brings up Jemai Jones signed that morning. <laughs> On the day he was signed, the first pitch that he sees in a Brewers uniform rips a double to center field 108.6 miles an hour off the bat. He was raking in AAA San Antonio. And here's the thing. Oh, Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City, sorry. Um, 
Jemai Jones was batting 368 versus lefties in AAA. Holy shit. You wonder why the Brewers picked him up? Because he hits lefties. Yeah, but, you know. eight versus lefties in AAA. The manager, the owner, the GM, they don't care. They don't want to win. This team has no nuts. Fucking Matt Arnold masterclass. Get out of here with that shit. Yeah. That, that is was... masterclass by Matt Arnold to grab this I guy. Agree. I agree. Um, what a moment for him, by the way. Wow. Absolutely. And you could see just how excited he was. It was awesome. Awesome. That was, um, that was crazy. <laughs> Brewers got a walk and a double play after that. Or, sorry, a walk and a hit by pitch after that. Uh, Bryce Durang struck out with the bases loaded on a 3-2 pitch. A low mm. middle end pitch. Bryce, you got to swing at that pitch, buddy. Even if you're just protecting, man, you choke up, you protect. Yeah. You you live another pitch, man. Yeah. That, those are the learning moments, though. Those are the learning that, moments. That, that pitch, buddy. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it's an experience building opportunity for him, but uh, yeah, swing at that pitch, bud. Yeah. I'm sure they so, all told him that. I'm sure they did. Yeah. Uh, top of the eighth, Piamps gets a one, two, three inning. Bottom of the eighth, William Contreras leads off with his opposite field single. Christian Yelich hits a single. Steals second base. Willie Adamas hits a single. Brewers are up seven to six. Owen Miller gets a sack fly, makes it eight to six. And then top of the ninth, Devin Williams comes in, gets, gives up a one-out double, gives up a two-out walk, and then strikes out Dansby Swanton on a on a painted corner strike three on uh, a relatively uh stressless appearance. All right, let's get into this. I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about uh David Ross. <laughs> uh just want to throw out with Monday's game, William Contreras, two for five, Christian Yelich, three for four with a walk, Willie Adamas, two for five. Um, Jemai Jones, who I mentioned, batting 368 versus lefty. This is also the Brewers' biggest comeback since June 30th, 2021. Do you remember what that game was? Oh, I remember 15 unanswered. Aaron Ashby's debut, Brewers were down seven nothing, came back to win 15 to seven. Dude, oh, what a day! What a day. We literally Sent them into a rebuild. We yeah. forced the Cubs into a rebuild. <laughs> oh, baby. <laughs> oh, Good man, times. that game was so fun. Good okay, times. let's talk about last night's game. A lot of a lot of opinions about last night's game, yesterday afternoon's game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got I got some I got some opinions. That's okay, so let's get into to Wade Miley. Um, he was okay. He was all right. The Cubs are a pretty good contact hitting team. I will mm-hmm. give them credit for that. Yep. That, that good hurt. on base team. That, that that hurt to say. Um, Bryce Wilson. It's a fact. So I mean, you might as well just accept it. It is. They they have a good lineup, and Dan, Swanson just does not get out for some goddamn reason. He's gonna get on base, and it's really annoying. Yep. And I'm literally like pissing my pants every time that this guy is up the back. So I'm like, what's he gonna do now? Is he gonna hit a triple this time? Is he going to freaking do a backflip and hit a home run against us? This guy does everything against us. It sucks. But uh, Bryce Wilson, he was all right. Didn't have his sharpest stuff, in my opinion. Um, Hobie Milner gave up a run as well. Um, after that, uh, Bukakis, lockdown. Aguero, lockdown. Um, it wasn't really until – and this sucks because we had to use Andrews in that situation. But yeah. I do want to give credit to the Milwaukee Brewers, dude. Down in this game again – early and for them literally to have the guts to come back and tie this game was uncalled for i'll say that mm-hmm. um now i'm gonna get into a few opinions i'll wait i'll wait to do my extra inning opinions until you do yeah. the breakdown when we get to that point 
But I am going to talk about Ross's comments after the game. I don't know if you heard them. Did you mm-hmm. hear them? <sighs> Closing the roof during our time to get rid of the shadows. We don't get to make that call, fucking moron. Literally it has the to be approved by the umpiring crew. Yeah. And I'm sure they asked when the Cubs were up to bat. Like, I'm I'm sure they're not just doing it for our own convenience. It's, it's not like there's a dude in a Brewers uniform, like, holding a button to open and close the roof. Yeah, like, it's, like, it has to be approved, right? Yeah. So, first of all, fucking moron. Second of all, he's like, there, there were some pitches that were strikes that weren't even close. Like, do you think? They like, were for both teams. Exactly. That's what the I was going to say. The umpire scorecard showed that the umpire was 97% consistent. I was going to say, that's what I was going to say. I was going to be like, do you think that your pitchers are just perfect painting the corners? Like, yeah. you you are the perfect manager for the Cubs because you sound just as dumb as their fucking fans, dude. It wasn't, it wasn't a perfect umpire by any means when you talk about balls and strikes, but he was consistent at least. So yeah, I can't and- really complain. Like, the Brewers had some bad pitches called against them. They also had some bad pitches called for them. How I many really times are we- the umpiring a wash in this one? How many times do we say that about basketball? If you're going to call shitty calls, call it both ways, right? Yep. I feel the same way about every single ref or ump or yep. whatever goddamn word you want to put in there. The guy that is officiating, right? Yep. If they're going to be shitty, just be shitty for both teams because then both teams have to fucking figure it out. That which is, is exactly what happened. Yep. So for him to fucking complain, and I'm sorry that I'm swearing so much, but it just made me so annoyed. For him to sit there and complain about balls and strikes when his team's getting the same exact calls yep. is ridiculous. Yep. And ignorant, in my opinion. That's so whiny. Especially yeah. for a game that your team won. Yeah, man. Like, what the? Come on. You, you sound like you want. Yeah, it's just. I thought he was just a big baby for that, to be honest with you. Yeah. That um, sounded whiny. I agree with you. Yeah. That, that's really all I want to talk about. I'll wait until to give the extra inning stuff till you get to the, that part of the breakdown. So, Brewers' first time through the order were retired in order. I feel like every time we play against Kyle Hendricks, he either pitches a gem or, like, once out of every five times, he gets rocked. Yeah, there's no in between. There's no scenario where Kyle Hendricks pitches five and two thirds innings and gives up three earned runs on on five hits and two walks. Yeah, there's no middle ground. He either dominates the Brewers or he gets rocked. Yep. So top of the second inning, two extra base hits give the Cubs a one nothing lead. Top of the third, Danzy Swanson hits a solo shot, makes it two nothing. Top of the fifth, Cubs grab two more on a walk, a double, and a sack fly, and then a Bellinger single. Bottom of the fifth, Owen Miller hit a one-out single, stole second base, got over to third base on a Bryce Perkins, Blake Perkins, ground out, scored on a Bryce Terang single, made it four to one. Bottom of the sixth, Christian Yelich, one-out single, stole second base, scored on William Contreras single, made it four to two. Top of the eighth, Bryce Wilson got the first out, uh, gave up a single. Hobie Miller came in, gave up a single, got a strikeout, and then a two-run double made it six to two Cubs. Bottom of the eighth, Joey Weimer hit by a pitch. Christian Yelich and Jesse Winker flew out, and the Brewers rallied. Mm-hmm. You, we know how this game ended, but the, the fact of the matter is the Brewers rallied down by four with two outs. Yes, they did. William Contreras hit a single. Rowdy Tellez hit a single. Game was 6-3. Willie Adamas ripped a double. The game was 6-4. So it's within striking distance going into the ninth inning. J.B. Bukowskis comes in, gets a 1-2-3 top of the ninth with two strikeouts. Yeah. Dude, two super underrated appearances by J.B. Bukowskis this week. Nuts. <laughs> He's got some. Yeah, he does. Uh, bottom of the ninth, Tapia leads off with a single. 
Bryce Tarang hits a single. Um, Joey Weimer struck out. This is where his his plate discipline just needs to be a little bit better for Joey Weimer. I get he wants to make plays, and I have no problems with that. Um, but just got to be a little more selective with when you're going to try to do those things. Mm-hmm. Um, Bruce followed Christian Yelich with another clutch hit. Gives up, gets a single, makes it six five. Jesse Winker hit by a pitch. William Contreras gets a sack fly to tie the game. And Rowdy Telez struck out. And that's where I wanted to ask the question of what do we do with Rowdy? We'll get to it because there is a little bit of news on that front. So we can talk about that in a, in a minute. Now, following this, uh, top of the 10th, Willie Adamas. Great play to jump and snag the ball out of the air and flip over to Bryce Terang for a double play. Great way to go with that inning. Elvis Pagaro, good stuff. No, just, ask, just ask Wilkins. That was an easy play. He literally said that. If, if Danzy Swanson did it, never mind. I'm not even going to say what he'd be doing. <laughs> Bottom of the 10th, Brewers were aggressive with Andre Monasterio on, um, on a single. Ended the inning at second base with Owen Miller trying to stretch into a double or to get to second base on the throw. Mm-hmm. Um Top of the 11th, the Cubs did get a lead after a wild pitch allowed Bellinger to get to third. That's unfortunately what ended up being the deciding thing with a two-out single by Nico Horner to make it 7-6. Bottom of the 11th, Owen Miller's on third base on a top of your ground out, got out tagging out or tagging up on a fly ball. So two instances we're looking at, one with Andre Monasterio on a single, mm-hmm. and then one with uh, Owen Miller tagging up on a fly ball. Um, two outs made at home plate in the extra innings. So where are you coming down on this? Okay, so I'm going to start with the positive. I'm okay with the sending of Miller in the 11th. I'm 100% okay with that one. Hmm. That one okay. that one legitimately makes sense to me. Okay. The one in the 10th inning was dumb. I'm not even going to mince words. He was not even at third base when Hap caught the ball. He wasn't even touching third base yet, and you still sent him. That, to me, is a bad send because if if he catches that and we get, we get the third, right, or if he, he it was a single. So he's going to be a third with one out. Mm-hmm. You're still in a good situation where if you hit a fly ball deep enough, and, yes, it sucks that it went to Hap because Hap is a good player too, he is. as much yeah. as that hurts to say. But he's a good player too. He's gold glove level left fielder. He has a good arm, obviously. I mean, he's pretty accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, and – I have absolutely nothing wrong with your mindset of making them make plays. I mm-hmm. have nothing wrong with that. But I feel like the situation where he was still rounding the base while he caught it, I don't think that was it. I'm not going to lie. It's it's kind of like in a situation where, like, we had moments last year, and I'm not going to dog on Javon Carter, but, you know, in the playoffs against the Heat, well, the Bucks are making a run. Javon Carter comes in for his 10 minutes in the playoff game, and the Bucks are chipping away, chipping away at the lead. And Javon Carter gets a pull-up three. And, yes, he was hitting those all year long, but in the playoffs is different. Like, every possession really matters that much more. Yep. So, in that time, in that place, for him to pull up a, a transition three, it's a bad shot. Like, like it, let's call it what it is, right? So, sending him on that. And I wouldn't have been upset if he didn't already have the ball in his hand. You know, and he just wasn't on third yet. And that was what the most dumbfounded thing to me was like, you can see him. You're supposed to be the mm-hmm. eyes for him as he's running. So I would have just held him at third. 
The one in the 11th, though, people need to not complain about that one because that one's like a legit baseball play. Like they, that that's the that, the people that are mad about that are the people that have the mindset of bunting runners over and trying to create one run, which is, a, you know what I'm saying? Like that that's the mindset of those people is to get one run. So that one, I understand. I get it because you only need one run to win right. or tie it. Right. But right. It is what it is. I just didn't like the send in the 10th. That's the only problem. I, had. I didn't have a problem with Owen Miller trying to take second. I didn't have a problem with that at all. I didn't have a problem with, I didn't have the problem with the send in the 11th. You should I, be taking second when that throw goes to the plate. Right, right. The only thing I have a problem with is sending him when he already had the ball in his hands. He's not even at third base. So I have – so my philosophy – let me do my philosophy first, and then I'll give what my, you know, my analysis slash adjustment would be. So my philosophy is on this, that if you're a fan of being aggressive on the bases, which I am, because the Brewers are a low batting average, low on base percentage team, you have to be aggressive on the bases when you get guys on base. Mm -hmm. That's just something you, in my opinion, you have to do when you don't get guys on base very often. That's why I don't get mad when guys get thrown out. Because you're being aggressive on the bases, you are forcing your opponent to make plays. Yeah. Which... To Ian Happ's credit, he made two consecutive plays. He, he made two consecutive perfect throws. There's sorry, it it was nothing, nothing, no ill will towards anything about those plays. For those wanting Jason Lane fired because of one game of questionable third base coaching is ridiculous. Yeah. It's one of those things where you're fine with it until there's something to be not fine with. And then people go all the way to the extreme of, we need to fire this guy. They do it with council all the time. Council's the manager though. That's, you know, that's the thing. Like council's in the same position that Budenholzer was in, but say, I mean, I mean, you're looking at the fourth guy in charge. Yeah. Yeah. Fire that guy because of two decisions. Come on. Out of right. I, I don't know how many guys the Brewers had in scoring position all season. But the fact of the matter is that after this game, the Brewers had scored six or more runs in five straight games. Yeah. The offense is coming alive a little That's bit. That's super encouraging. Mm-hmm. Now, my adjustment for for this situation for Jason Lane, if I was to be Craig Council or Matt Arnold in this position, looking at Jason Lane saying, how can we avoid this in the future, is Major League Baseball draws that little bracket for the for the base coaches, right? Mm-hmm. They should stop drawing those. It's bullshit. No, no coaches are standing in that little box. They don't enforce it. What I would suggest with Jason <laughs> Lane is to – to get closer to home plate, because, I mean, unless you're standing on the plate, it doesn't seem like they're going to be doing anything to stop you from moving closer. So would be get closer to home plate. to So you're almost looking directly at your base runner and the left fielder in the line. Mm-hmm. Watch the throw as it's coming in. If it looks like it's on line, put up the stop sign, even if the guy is four steps past the base. Have him go back. I mean, I would be willing to bet 99 times out of 100 as the ball comes through the infield to the catcher, you're not getting a guy at third base 
who's have a stop sign put on to go five feet back to third base. Mm-hmm. Like that, I don't think that that throw is being made by the catcher. Yeah. And if he I tries guess. to make that throw, then you're willingly inviting the guy who hit the ball to go straight to second base, and you're looking at second, third with one out. Yeah. Yeah. Exact same thing with the tag up. And that ball wasn't shallow. It wasn't super deep, but it was in the middle. And you're with Owen Miller on base. He's not the fastest guy on the team. He's not the slowest guy on the team. He's not a slow guy by any means. But if Jason Lane can get closer to be kind of in line with with the guy on base and the throw, and if he can see, you know, as best as he can, the throw if it's coming on line or if it looks like it's going to go wide towards the first base side or towards the dugouts, send him. Have him tag up, take four or five steps off the bag, uh, and then be ready to make that call. That's that's what I would say, because I want the Brewers to continue to remain aggressive. I don't want to see a more consecutive or conservative base running approach because of this one game. That's what I don't want to happen. I don't want them to be afraid to send runners because it didn't work out this one game. Yeah. So, actually. <clears throat> I wrote down in my notes to, talk, to bring up uh, Frelick again because – and I'm really glad that this worked out the way that it did. But you brought up having Monasterio up because we're not sending him down for Toro. Um, it's nice to have him as an extra base runner. Yep. Frelick is a guy known for having really, really good speed. And if we could bring him up and he can just, you know, platoon, you know, maybe in right field or left field or even center field, and having him on the bench as a guy that is another option for a pinch runner, a guy that's known for speed, I think that benefits us as well. I don't. I don't have a guy that I can send down to make room for, um, Frelick. for Frelick right now. I just. I don't. And I love Sal Frelick. I know. I but really Tapia's is playing good, and Weimer's still playing good. Yelich, and the thing obviously. is, we don't have a uh, a forty man roster spot for him right now. Yeah, sucks, man. <laughs> so let me ask this question, and we can kind of tie this into what's next. But what do the Brewers do with Rowdy Telez? Because today they put him on the 10-day injured list, so there is some news with Rowdy Telez, so there is something going on. Now, he was placed on the 10-day injured list with forearm inflammation. This is said the something they said has been bothering him for a couple days, which shouldn't have affected his hitting. So it's not like they can blame you know a month and a half of no home runs on this forearm inflammation. Mm-hmm. Um, in the same group of moves, Brian Anderson was reinstated from the paternity list, so he is back. Um, Mike Brasso was DFA'd. He's struggling, even in AAA, which is unfortunate because he's done some good things. Um, mm-hmm. Thomas Pannone was released. He might be back. And then Tyson Miller and J.C. Mejia were recalled from AAA Nashville, and Clayton Andrews and J.B. Bukowskis were optioned to AAA Nashville. Mm. So hmm. more bullpen moves, which should Makes be expected. Sense. Right. Now, let's ask the question, what should be – what can the Brewers do with Rowdy Thales? This is kind of heavy. And <clears throat> I'm going to tell you, off the bat, they're not getting rid of him. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say that. But I feel like the 10-day DL, you know, and you have the, the all-star break, you know, crunched in the middle of that i feel like just having time away from baseball and because you said like you said we're in the middle of a 17 game and 17 day stretch 
that's a fucking grind, dude. Mm-hmm. And you know, they talk about it all the time with pitchers, where with the pitch clock, you know, if if you know you have one bad inning, it can snowball really fast, you know, because you don't yep. get that time to step off and do the rosin and fix that, yeah, wipe your sweat, whatever. I feel like the same thing could happen to hitters this year because of that pitch oh, yeah. clock as well. Yep. And I feel like that's kind of what's happening to Rowdy. So him having some time away, I think, will be honestly a really, really good thing. I think you let him have his time away. You still want him to think about baseball. You want him to get healthy. But in the long run, we brought him in to be our first baseman, right? That's what we made the trade for. And last year, the guy led us in home runs with 35, I believe, 34, 35. He was second in RBIs with 89. We're not getting rid of this guy. Right. This guy is a run producer for us. So yep. we're going to hope that, and <laughs> that sounds like a crazy thing, but we're going to have faith and we're going to have hope that he's going to get right. And maybe him stepping away from baseball for a couple of days is a good thing for him. So I'll look, I'll look into it. Cause I'm going to look and see how he did in between pitches last year to see if he was one of those guys who took 10, 15 seconds or if he was ready to be right back in there. Um, okay. And I'll look and see if I feel that, that he's been affected by it. Um, and maybe that's something we can speak to. Yeah. Um, I didn't tell you this on purpose because I had it. I saw it pop up before I asked this question. Pre-game, the Brewers' infield coach was working with Jermaine Jones at first base. No. Yeah. Really? What a move, dude. What a move. If that guy can rake, dude, holy shit. I mean, Owen Miller is going to be playing the primary first base. He played 80 games at first base last year, so he's going to be playing a lot of first base. But, I mean, if Jermaine Jones can uh, – What's his natural position? Jermaine Jones, he's an outfielder. Huh. So, if he can find a way to play a little bit of defense at first base, he might be hard to kick off the team. He's going to be really hard to kick off the team if he's raking, dude. Especially against lefties. Yeah. And he is he is the DH for tonight's game. Interesting. Having so, uh Anderson's defense back will be really Yes, really I'm looking forward to that as well. So the Brewers have tonight and tomorrow against the Cubs, yeah. and then they have three games versus Cincinnati, and then it's the all-star break. Four and one. I agree. I really want five and all. I really want five and all. I was texting you about it before. I was like, imagine a perfect scenario where we go into the all-star break over 50 wins and 40 losses. And uh, all these people were expecting us to lick our wounds and all this stuff. We're going to be, uh, imagine us 11 games over 500, you know, even 10 with, which is what we're predicting right now. Imagine us 10 games over 500 and getting an all-star pitcher back. Man, being, all- at a, being 11 over at the break would feel fantastic. All I got to say is, fuck what you think, bro. Seriously. Like, I saw so much goddamn whining yesterday. One Dude. chick was like, that was the worst coaching I've ever seen in my life. I was like, I wanted to go in there and be like, shut up, dude. Do you understand that we're scoring runs? We're, we're playing a good hitting team, okay? Like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> if we weren't hitting, you complain about that. Yeah. And that's, had, that's the thing is it's really just become a reason. Like people find a reason to complain, dude. They, they, and she's one of those. Okay. I'm just going to do it. She's one of those old ladies that like, if you wear high socks and she doesn't like it, my God, why are they wearing those? Luke Voigt needs to button his shirt. Robin Lopez needs a haircut. Yeah. Why, why, why is he wearing his, why is he wearing his hat brim like that? Like, shut up. 
Okay? Jesus Christ. Um, I went through her history of posts, dude. That's why I can say that. Uh, um, like a week ago, the, the thing was, oh, the Brewers are going to be in third place by the All-Star break. Yep. I remember. I remember. And you know what? In the offseason with the Packers and stuff, I take all the screenshots of what these motherfuckers say. I take them all. I keep and them all. That's the thing. Is like we are pretty active on social media. Yeah, I, Not only with our own, but like we are in groups, obviously, to share our content because we want more people to to find it. But right, right. like we are very active on social media to be in a position um, to understand what the fan base is feeling. Mm-hmm. So we pay attention to what social media is. And it sucks because we want it to we want to influence it so that it's more positive atmosphere because it's not great. Honestly, um, it's just, but we hope to have a positive impact on that. If the Brewers, if the Brewers win the next two games against the Cubs, right, and if they take two out of three from the Reds, do you understand how dumb you look for complaining about a loss in extra innings when literally, if he doesn't make two perfect throws, we could win that game? Yep. Do you understand how dumb you look? And the thing about baseball is, to me. This might just be a, a hot take or an opinion. You can agree, you can disagree. I don't give a shit. Baseball is the most unpredictable sport in all of the sports. You cannot control if the pitch what pitcher what pitcher the pitcher is going to throw. You cannot control if they you know if they can control it. You cannot control if a you know, like like the Pirates guy right. They've sent him up there to to bunt. The next at bat, he literally rips a single through the infield. You can't control that. It's the most unpredictable sport in all of sports. Football, you get it down a distance, right? You get a yeah. you get a fourth and eleven. They're not running the fucking thing. They're throwing it. Okay. Basketball, you're down by three with two seconds left. They're shooting a goddamn three pointer. Promise right. you. And in, um, in hockey, they pull the goalie when you need a goal. Right. I mean, you can look at it too. All of these sports, there's more than one day where they don't play a game every yeah. two weeks. Yeah, dude. 17 straight. I don't want to go to my job for 17 days straight. Ugh. I don't give a shit what you're getting paid. Man. I don't give a shit. I don't want to be at my job for I don't want to be and at my job for thing. five days straight, let's, dude. Let's say this show becomes our job. Yeah. Like, we're not working on it 17 days straight. Like, we're going to take one day off in between there. I guarantee it. There's right. going to be one day where we just play, like, a bunch of Xbox that day. Yeah, and, and, we, and we could talk about it on there. Who cares? But exactly. we're not we're not 100% thinking about it. We're going to be killing people on whatever game we're playing, right? And, and that's the thing. Like, there is 17 games in 17 days, and Jake and I are going to talk about all of them. I'll be honest with you. I'm not watching all of them live. I watch most of it live, but then sometimes I do have to catch the highlights. I get up early for work, man. I, I watch replays a lot. Honestly, yeah. Valley is really, like, for as terrible as the Valley Sports app is, the replays are pretty convenient to have. Yeah, they gotten better with the pause button because every once in a while when I'd have to pause it, it was shit and it would just go to live right away. But you know what's super nice? I figured out I can watch Bally if I watch it on my laptop and I watch the replays. I can use the the right arrow to skip ten seconds. Oh, that is nice actually. So I can watch a full game in like barely two hours. Not bad. Really not bad nice feature. So I like it. Alrighty, uh, we are all going to be back next Wednesday. We are going to have a guest next week we're gonna have eric agnew from the miller park minute show um he's got a pretty good following on youtube so definitely check him out he does basically every single day uh brewery shows i uh i 
did a fair amount of commenting on his show on Saturday after that game. Um, mm-hmm. He's going to be on our show next Wednesday. Uh, we're going to be talking about Milwaukee Brewers trade targets. Um, you know, whether it be big ones, medium sized ones, or underrated ones, guys they could take flyers on. We're each going to have five guys for the Brewers to uh, target at the trade deadline. And then next Thursday, we are going to appear on his show and uh, and give the same five um, trade targets. So we're going to kind of just do a little little crossover episode with Eric from the Miller Park Minute. And yeah. we will be back on Wednesday. So there is no Friday show this week, but Saturday. Tim, if you can make it, come out to Plymouth. Uh, Jake and I will be at Mill Street Day. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. We have giveaways planned, things to, to, to sell for the show, fan locks to sell to match all the Brewers and the Packers and the Badgers and the Bucks colors. Um, Whatever you want. You want to ask Wisconsin sports questions so people mm-hmm. can be part of our content, which we which we appreciate because we do. Tim has to. You have to. We do spend a lot of time um, curating our content for people. So, um, Tim, Tim, if you can make to. it, it's a good time. And not just for us. Like Jake said earlier, Wisco Ball and Mental Health America are going to be there. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be – it's a good event, and it's it's fun. Like it's seriously street to street from end to end is packed both sides of the street with, with tents of vendors. Yeah, man. I feel like we need a, I feel like we need video footage of Tim answering questions. He's a very knowledgeable guy. Even before he came on our show, he's, he knows, he knows his stuff. Also, we need a picture with Tim, man. We need a picture with you, man. You're one of the OGs. For one me. of the OGs for sure. <laughs> we got a picture with Taylor at the Brewer game. It's definitely yeah. fun, Tim. Um, yeah. Definitely worth coming out. Yeah, for sure. Alrighty, buddy. I will see you Saturday. I'm sure we'll talk before then, but I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it as well. Go Brewers. Fuck the Cubs. Everybody have a good night. Be safe. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.